Yes, it's fucking March, and here we're back on Red Spotlight Entertainment. I'm your host, Alexis Soto, and today I'm actually joined uh, by some people that have not made an appearance on this show since 2021, which I guess is natural since these last two months already. We've only really been consumed with uh, catching up on uh, stuff that we couldn't get to see in 2021, <laughs> you know, as far as movies are concerned, which is, this of course is the podcast where we talk about movies and more, right? We So uh, I have here Alexis and I have here David and well, they've been seeing some things. You know, I think it's fair to say they've seen some movies, they've seen <laughs> some seen TV something. shows, they've <laughs> seen some things. We've all seen some shit. Let's be real And we're all going through a lot. So um, that's what today is going to be about, is just catching up with our people, uh, seeing if we're okay, and then talking about uh, what we're looking forward to in this wonderful world of movies and TV and ourselves. Of course, I didn't mean this wonderful world because it's anything but. Um, so I don't, and everything. So yeah, uh, that's Red Spotlight number three hundred seventy-seven. Um, how are you guys? Um, we haven't caught up in a minute here. Um, I, I think you guys are usually pretty good at like uh, keeping up with the shows that Peter and I do. So I think like. You know what we've been talking about, uh, unless like you've avoided some spoilers. I know uh, some of you watched uh, Tick Tick Boom, which I'm sure some one of us will get into. But we did a review on that a few weeks back, and of course I didn't undersell it. Any review with a musical, Peter always has to go on some weird thing, and of course that's what happened. Uh, so I can never really express how much I love something because it always goes into well, <laughs> here's Peter's weird issue with the musical, which I guess it's fair, but. That's usually how these things go. Uh, I, I've been so numb to, like... <laughs> I can't, I've been so conditioned to, like, you know, um, containing my excitement for musicals that it was so surprising today. I actually met with Kyle um, earlier uh, for the first time in two months. I had not seen him in person in two months, which is weird because we live in the same town. What the heck? <laughs> it was because we, we haven't been to the movies um, in two months. In months, really. So it's it's been a weird time. But I saw him and he was uh, saying, weirdly enough, he was very excited to see West Side Story again when it uh, debuts on Disney+. Plus. At this point, by the time this episode is uploaded, it will already be on Disney+, Plus. but it is going to go up there Wednesday, March 2nd. Uh, and that's coming from somebody that's already seen uh, West Side Story. I saw it with him uh, back in December, I believe. And so it's just so nice to have people be excited about musicals on this show for a change. And we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. You know, it's, <laughs> it's that weird time where there's things you want to catch up with last year. And now with the Batman coming, come the onslaught of new things for we're officially in the in the 2022 year because we've got the Batman. Then after that, we've got Turning Red. All uh, and then even after that, we've got Moon Knight to get ready for, um, and there's just a lot of things happening. So, uh, yeah, that's where we are. Alexis, <sighs> would you like to pick one of these things? Not any of the things that I mentioned, but just like the overall theme of like catching up with content and how you are mentally speaking. I guess at this point with uh, how the world is going. <laughs> 
Um, I've been kind of like busy and stuff. I mean, I'm always mm-hmm. busy with work. Um, yeah, which I hate. <laughs> no, yeah, I hate it too. Um, but school, I'm I'm actually doing really good in school right now, which is a surprise. That's good. Yeah. Um, I'm taking a online business class this semester, mm. and it's actually really fun. Um, I at, by the end of the semester, I have to set up my own like website and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been kind of exciting. Um, it's kind of like this thing where like I don't like my job. It's not a bad job; it's a good job, you know. But it's just like not what I want to do. And stuff. It doesn't do it and for so, you. There's no sense of passion yeah, or enthusiasm, yeah. you know? And to have this class and, like, this is, like, something that I would want to do at some point, it's just, it's just so draining. A lot of people, I think, don't take, you know, having something to engage with that you're so enthusiastic and passionate about is kind of a luxury. Um, yeah. And the real <laughs> world doesn't care about that kind of stuff. And I think I've experienced something like that uh, with the work that I've been doing lately, which is working with children in the elementary level, which in that in and of itself can have its own reward. Yeah. Sure. However, and I was just having this exact same conversation today with another friend of mine, another colleague, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I told her, look, uh, I did not realize how starved I was for an actual like intellectually stimulating conversation until I had a podcast with Peter, I think last week, because I think that was the only, the only discussion I had with somebody that like, um, was into the same things, but could actually talk with me at my level. Uh-huh. And I wasn't like yeah. talking to children about things that quite frankly are irrelevant to anything that I care about. Yeah. yeah. You know? And that's how I feel too. Like, again, my job is not a bad job. It's a good job. You know, I it, it gives me money. It, like, it does what it should do, but it just doesn't fulfill <laughs> what I would like it to. But, like, I kind of feel the same way where, like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I can't really talk to people because I can't connect with them. No. Um, And it's hard. And it, mm-hmm. especially, like, coming from a job that I loved and I talked to people <laughs> all the time. About things that we all loved and stuff, and then going mm-hmm. to this is just kind of like, okay, um, and and yeah, and I think that's why, like, um, I know you. I think the last podcast uh, you mentioned that we started a new podcast, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I kind of wanted to do that. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds like you <laughs> because, really needed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I really did honestly, and like, it's it's been fun, like coming up with like idea even just like writing them down for like a future day because i don't know like the way that my brain works like i'm those type of people where like if i have an idea i like it, it keeps me up at night <laughs> of course yeah and yeah so that's been fun and interesting <laughs> and yeah um I've, I've actually been watching a lot of stuff too Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun. Even David's like, yeah, you've seen a lot of things, <laughs> which if you know me, doesn't really happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been kind of fun too. I, I feel like 
uh, doing all of these other things besides work has helped me. Because I, for a long time there, like, I wasn't, I kind of felt like how Kyle, I think, felt. Mm. Where he just, like, didn't want to watch anything. Like, it was kind of like that thing where you watch the same thing over and over again. Because it's just, like, mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen. You don't have to put a lot of brain thought to it. Like, you, yeah, you know, that's kind of how I felt for a long time. But, yeah, I've been trying to catch up with stuff. And yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, there is a lot of that because, you know, um, a lot of the things that we have in common uh, and what really kind of helped make us be friends is that we just love stories and we we love not only consuming film and TV, but we love discussing it as well that, you know, further enriches the experience for us. And so for years now... I want to say since like at least uh, late 2015, early 2016, basically when this podcast first started, we've kind of like our thing has been following this industry, not for the sake of following the business, but because we love stories and we love movies. And it's just it's what gets us going, basically. And we go see all the latest stuff, whether it be on in the in the film world or whether it be on TV. And we've kind of been doing that for basically the entire time and that's not most people we know it's just kind of us that really bother to do all of it you know and and i have no regrets you know obviously Mm -hmm. but it it does get to a point where you you start to feel a bit burned out and then also especially these last two years maybe especially even this last year overwhelmed with the amount of options because there's you can be left with so many things like i know right now for me I am trying my very best to just find the balance of it, knowing that still there are things that are slipping through the cracks. So yeah. my my balance was, okay, what I will do is I will – because I, I need a show going. So I'll pick a comfort show that I've already seen that I love. So I can have a – I'll see a couple of episodes of that a day that will just get me through a couple of things. And then later on, I'll also throw on something new. So these last two months has been a combination of like, I, I've oh, talked about how I've been seeing Lucy and Golden Girls, right? So that's what I've been watching for TV as far as old stuff. But the new material has come in the forms of Peacemaker or all of the new films that we've been discussing. And I think that's kind of like the best way to kind of balance it out. But that still isn't enough because there's so many other things out there that I haven't bothered to have seen like um, Squid Game or Succession or Only Murders in the Building mm-hmm. or um, – what we do in the shadows. There's so many great. I know David somehow finds a way to see all those shows. We talked about how many shows uh, he saw in 2021. And I'm like, how did you see all of those things? It's just incredible to me. I only saw 10 new shows, or not 10 new. I only saw 10 TV shows in 2021 because I was seeing more movies in 2021. Uh, it's just, it's a lot. It really <laughs> is, honestly. And yeah. it's understandable considering that we it's kind of funny how we we kind of like crap on ourselves for like not doing a good enough job of like watching all the the, all the stuff that we can when like just one of us alone sees like 10 times as more content as the average person yeah (laughs) like the average person last year saw one movie and we all know what movie that was (laughs) (laughs) where it's like David, uh, he said, what, was it 30, 40? You, you, Alexis, said at least 35, 40 movies, at least for 2021 that you saw. Yeah. Like, 
to the average person, that's like, what? That's a lot of movies. Yeah. It really isn't. I mean, at the end of the <laughs> and, day, and that's, I don't know. Like, sometimes it makes me feel self-conscious, too. Because it's like, okay, like, am I, like, weird for, like, <laughs> wanting to go out and see all... Because then, like, I tell people and, like, they look at me weird and it's like, sorry? <laughs> I don't know. But then also, in my head, I'm just kind of like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I gotta be honest, though. Would those, would, would those same people, like, look at you weird if you were talking about you being a sports fanatic? I, 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 that's the thing. It's like, there, there's a stigma with certain kind of things. And let's be honest, with as obsessed as we are when it comes to this world, there are so many people out there who feel, I guess, from a certain perspective, uh, superior because they happen to be obsessed with a subject matter that happens to be beloved the world over for reasons that quite frankly mystify me there's nothing that's far more boring to me than people playing a game with a ball (laughs) and all of the hullabaloo and like mass hysteria that that surrounds it is always been kind of a turnoff to me um so um i'm at the point where yeah i I am judging you (laughs) at this point if that's what you devote your life to (laughs) actually i remember um i i uh i watch this one guy on youtube he does podcasts all the time and usually when other youtuber uh, with other youtubers if they have like a big following they don't really watch other youtubers or anything but one time Mm. this guy he did like a instagram live and he was actually talking to his fans like bringing them on the lives and everything and he talked to one fan and she kept bringing up all this YouTube drama of like just a whole bunch of YouTubers that he has no idea who they are or like what the heck she's talking about. And at one point he actually interrupted her and be like, hold up, is this all you, you and your friends talk about? And she's like, yeah, my friends and I have a discord and like we just keep talking, bringing up all these uh, drama. And he's just kind of like, he always wanted to say like, what fucking life do you have? <laughs> like, <laughs> so people have obsessions about uh, weird stuff whether it's sports or as movies or YouTube drama <laughs> yeah and oftentimes I think back to what Alexis was saying uh, this may be an overgeneralization and it is but I would say that oftentimes the people who are passing judgment for like what other people like they themselves are um, fascinated by things that quite frankly um, would make looking at paint dry seem like a masterpiece in storytelling and that's just be real i mean look the, what has happened in in the news these last couple of weeks as far as like um nothing too well there's war uh, there's the threat of more war there is um a political party in america that is falling further into fascism and the democrats are celebrating taking the masks off all of that happening that's just scratching the surface, right? Um, and there are a large people, a lot of people in this country who were far more interested in whatever it was that Kanye West was crapping out of his ass to do, to pr- uh, promote his new music out there. Somebody who, quite frankly, is um, mentally ill and an asshole um, and really should not be celebrated in any way, quite frankly. I've never liked him. Or his music. Sorry, not sorry. I don't give a fuck. Hmm. I can tell I don't care at this point. <laughs> I really don't care. But the, the point is, it's like, yeah, um, uh, people, 
Yeah. People be really weird sometimes with like <laughs> the things that they feel and think and they, they don't quite think through um how that could be perceived or how that could um be viewed as uh Yeah. Or how could it could you. like affect somebody. Yeah, well that that know? that also goes back to the lack of uh Oh, that's right. Sincerity or decency or compassion, which quite frankly seems to be lacking in every avenue of this entire world. So, yeah, that's there it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> that's that explains everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, David, what's up with you? What if. Uh, uh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, no, you guys have been like. Um, Seeing a whole bunch of stuff, so do you guys just want to throw out the things you've been seeing? Sure. Yeah. Um. Well, for movies, we watched Uncharted. Uh, you see, uh, that's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, talk about uh your what what drove you to go see that movie? Both of you saw it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what drove you to go see Uncharted in theaters? Was that something that you were looking forward to for months, or it was just like a like okay, we'll just go because we have nothing else to do? I mean, I think yeah. I mean, I think for I me, was yeah. kind of looking more forward to it because I, I love okay. video games, and so to oh, I wanna, okay. I'm like curious like where this industry is taking these uh, video game adaptation adaptations, and I was kind of like being hopeful about this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But. The movie was fine. <laughs> uh, um, I've only played like, I don't know. Maybe, That's what I hear. Yeah. I've only played like an hour or two of the Uncharted game. So I'm really not that big of a fan. Uh, but from what I saw, it was, uh, what is it? Tom Holland and uh, Mark Wahlberg. They were pretty entertaining to watch. I think they actually they had pretty cool chemistry in the movie and all that. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of the action. The action was pretty cool, especially in the third act. The only thing though is like I feel like there were some editing problems. I don't know what it was, but like just some of the editing kind of fell off about me. I don't know what it was exactly. I need to rewatch it. It probably is Doug Lyman. He's not exactly somebody I care much for. And if you look at his filmography, he's uh directed such a, I mean, he directed the first Venom, so that should tell you. <laughs> I think everything. I mean, quite frankly, that's why I didn't care at this point. Yeah. And also, I mean, I, I, honestly, I love Tom Holland, and yet I. It was Spider Man, but he, he's a bartender. <laughs> but that's that's the thing, though, is um, he, I never have any issue with his performances. I always have an issue with the projects he's in. They always seem to be kind of a misfire or a complete flop and um it, it's sad be- well to an extent it's sad i mean he's kind of he dodged a bullet with that movie because it made so much money like it had a lot of interest like it mm-hmm. it, it debuted to 50 50 million dollars in its first week that's like 40 more than west side story and 45 more than nightmare alley which of course no one should have expected those films to succeed in the first place in this environment <laughs> in retrospect but 50 million dollars is still pretty great for a film that quite frankly didn't look very good and yeah. came from a director that has a terrible track record and came from a studio that has an even worse track record that came from a leading man that has a 
guess what? An even worse track record than that. So against all odds, it's it's a curious case from what I've heard. It's a film that doesn't at all feel like the video game and it gets some things There's some changes in Mm -hmm. it, but still finds its way to being a middling, swashbuckling, fun time at the theater, Mm -hmm. which that in and of itself was enough to win the day to where Sony was like, wow, this is a massive success. Never mind the fact that Sony was so desperate to get this this thing some attention that they really um, propositioned Tom Holland's body on Instagram and all these different (laughs) ads, which was hilarious. (laughs) No. Yeah, it was it was okay. Like <laughs> it, it kind of frustrates me because they could have done like the idea was there and they could have done a lot more. And they they always didn't. do. They always could have. They always could have. Right. But I think we've been so like beaten down with underwhelming blockbusters, underwhelming action adventure uh, blockbusters that even like when it's not entirely awful. That seems to win the day. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think any of us thought that like Jungle Cruise was a great movie, but it was a great time watching it because it wasn't yeah. terrible and dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which was the expectation. That one was a surprise. The, I mean, really I was, was looking forward to it, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah. actually, the thing with Jungle Cruise, though, what made me like, like it more than Uncharted, sadly, is just that like it... With Jungle Cruise, it, it gave me a reminder of The Mummy and other like yeah. cool action adventure stuff with uncharted though mm-hmm. you know it's supposed to be indiana jones but like way more actiony way more kind of i guess right violent in a way and i just couldn't that was not it yeah and i just couldn't really <laughs> see that so yeah. they were trying to sell it that way as like an, an indiana jones action adventure swashbuckling thing and it didn't it looked like it was trying to do that but if you know the people involved, you knew that it never had a prayer of it coming close to that. The fact that it, that it was this good, quote unquote, again, is a success unto themselves at this point. But Jungle <laughs> Cruise, you're right, did evoke that um, that two that um two thousands era feel of an action adventure, a la Mummy, National Treasure, Pirates of the Caribbean. It wasn't as good as any of those, but it reminded us. It did enough to make us like, okay. You're familiar in that way, and thank you for just touching it and reminding us about what made those films uh, so good for us. Um, also, it had a great um, anchor in Emily Blunt and and Dwayne Johnson, and I don't care for Dwayne Johnson in almost everything he's in, but he was actually good here, and mm-hmm. maybe that must have been most of Emily Blunt, and Emily Blunt is fucking amazing at everything she's in actually i was gonna say i remember you saying saying that uh when you first reviewed it and i was and i was laughing because i was kind of like weird because i've seen a lot of movies with dwayne, dwayne johnson in it and I, like, a lot of it like his stuff always worked on me but weirdly though jungle mm-hmm. cruise did it <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah I, th- I thought that was funny because i'm like really like i always want to see him in movies uh you know i find that charm like the charm works on me i guess but in this Mm -hmm. cruise it didn't which is weird (laughs) well i just go back to is i don't love a single film he's made Mm -hmm. and i never love him in it and he always plays the same thing yeah and i just get bored with that that's that's where i come back to it i'm far more interested in what john cena is doing uh than than dwayne johnson and john cena has made some inspired choices uh for 
a relatively short career so far. Mm-hmm. Like he's he just got on the scene and he's made some smart choices uh with the films that he's been in and uh clearly it's 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 paid off in spades. Um but yeah, uh I I'm not going to lie though. I did like flirt with the idea of going to see Uncharted because I thought that I was going to have some time to do so, but time has kind of been a thing lately. I haven't been able to get a hold of uh, aside from work and everything and other functions. So I've mainly just been, uh, again, trying to catch up with many movies that I've yet to see, uh, shows and other stuff, of course. So um, maybe I'll catch it when I, when it gets home, but what also may have deterred me was the fact that I did catch up with two other Tom Holland movies that I've not seen that both came out in 2021. And I might as well just tell you because um, you probably won't be on it because it will be a, a long-ass show anyway whenever we do it. But both of those films, quite frankly, were practically the worst stuff that came out that year. <laughs> practically the worst. Was that the um, one on Netflix? No, <laughs> no, that was 2020. <laughs> you mean oh the with Robert Pattinson? Yeah. That one was 2020, The Devil All the Time. I saw that one too, and that was very vanilla. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about, um, there's one on Hulu, Chaos Walking, which was clearly oh. a film that was made years yeah. and years ago, but like it was so like delayed because it was unreleasable. They released it, and it still wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, it is a it, it's like there's interesting stuff way in the background way in the background I, but it's just like you saw it right david i saw it and i thought it was okay mm, it is okay yeah it's not like it's not dog shit but it also it's just like it when you think about like how big of a miss it is like i know parts of it was with the subject material and, and adapting it to the screen. But there's this thing where they have like their thoughts. Everybody can read each other's thoughts because it's like it's like uh they're saying it out loud, but their mind is saying it for them. But the thing is, it's like nobody thought through how annoying that would be and how off-putting and and like confusing it would be for an audience member to follow what was going on and not get tired of it quickly. And that kind of like brought the whole thing down. Mm. Um the people in it were fine. The movie in it, in it of itself, was fine. But it, it when you th- when you step back and think like, wow, if this was made in the two thousands, this might have been a lot better than just fine. And it just kind of like uh, was a uh, victim of modern day movie making when it comes to the blockbuster genre, uh, which is very uninteresting, very generic, and it didn't have to be. Yeah. Uh, the people in it weren't terrible. It's just so unremarkable when it should have been. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Actually, uh, <laughs> you know, as as a movie by itself, like I said, it's fine, and I didn't mind the casting and everything. Probably yeah, the casting not, was good. Yeah, I mean, probably what not what I I would have had in mind because I I read the books. It's based off of books, and the books are fucking mm-hmm. fantastic. Honestly, like I couldn't stop listening i listen to the audiobooks but like as soon as i heard the first one i listened to the next one and the next one right after and as yeah, he did. 
and as an adaptation it sucked because there's three books and they ended it in one and especially because of the subject matter like the whole the whole series it's literally about what it means to be a man and and like what it means to be a man living in certain in certain situations and but also like what it means to kind of what i guess what you have to do as a woman to survive in the world like that's controlled by men and everything and all that and so it's just like the subject matter it's very very interesting uh if you if you read or listen to the books and all that which i highly recommend so Mm -hmm. it's just like a really wasted opportunity (laughs) what they did yeah so again that was just very unimpressive i can't imagine how it is because like i said yeah he read them back to back to back and he would talk to me about it so i kind of want to see it just (laughs) out of curiosity because like what what, because he like would read a part and then he would go and tell me and like the things that he would tell me were really cool Mm -hmm. so that's kind of that kind of (laughs) sucks Yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to see it, it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. But if you're on Hulu, there are a thousand better things to see. <laughs> Literally a thousand. Not if you're me, apparently. What's going on with you? <laughs> the hell's your problem? How is it that everybody on this entire network has seen the Spencer film and you haven't? <laughs> I was, we were supposed to watch it on Sunday, but I had to do homework. So maybe this weekend. Jeez, man. Um, so that was one of the Tom Holland movies. The other Tom Holland movie, um, which quite frankly may be the worst year, the worst of the year, um, is quite shocking (laughs) because it was one that was made by the Russo brothers. Um, the movie Cherry, Mm -hmm. that was on Apple TV Plus. Did you guys ever catch how that went or how that film was received? No. Um... (laughs) Yeah, um, borderline unwatchable. (laughs) Borderline unwatchable because, um, first of all, I don't even care if the intent was for it to be this way, and I don't care if it was, like, accurate to who the people actually were, but the main leads are detestable, they're loathsome, they're aggressively unlikable and not because they're like awful human beings but they're just not fun to be around and mm-hmm. dumb and they're they're playing actual people that live and this is their actual story and they shouldn't have come off this way in the least mm-hmm. uh but that even that even that isn't the worst part there i don't know what happened with Joe and Anthony Russo, maybe they felt the need to like prove themselves, quote unquote, as like serious filmmakers, because a lot of people don't take them seriously mm. and uh, dunk on them. Mm. No, seriously, there's no, a I'm lot of weird. There, yeah, yeah, there are a lot of people on film Twitter love dragging the Russos and making fun of them um for things that they say i don't know why but it happens every single time they're in the news like they they're like 
They have big targets yeah. on their backs for whatever reason. But with this movie, you look at it and you think like they felt the need to over-direct. And this may be the single most over-directed film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, It has the subtlety of a sledgehammer. It literally just like... um, You're overwhelmed with so many random, sporadic, and completely unnecessary stylizations and choices in terms of like camera movement, editing, um, that it, it quite frankly makes no sense. Like it, thinking about it now with having like seen the trajectory of the directors, like even though nobody will ever say this because we have to worship the auteur that is Nolan, Christopher Nolan, and Wes Anderson um, and kiss their feet every time they make a movie. <laughs> but both of those filmmakers are people that, quite frankly, for years now, have been up their own ass and have been like making movies for themselves and only themselves and makes it far less enjoyable for anybody else to enjoy. I don't understand how people enjoy the movie Dunkirk. I really don't. <laughs> I, I it, it was a movie that was, I don't know what, it made pe- I mean, it made me feel like, oh, I don't care, but okay, I guess people yeah. <laughs> loved it. And the same thing with the French Dispatch. <laughs> I saw that. So boring. Oh my god. What the French Dispatch? Dunkirk. Oh yeah, it was incredibly boring, and and the French Dispatch may be just as bad, if not worse, for the same reasons. It's on HBO Max now for people that want to see the French Dispatch, I believe. Um, but it, quite frankly, oof was one of the worst I've seen as far as like uh, entertainment value is concerned. It, it's just, it's a snooze fest entirely. But with Cherry, it's like, it honestly just makes you angry how like done to death everything is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it's crazy because I think, no, it, right now it is the worst movie for me that I've seen out of 73, I think in 2021. Yeah. Uh, and that's coming from the people who made my favorite movie of 2019. So that's really strong. That's like a, that's a damn gap if there ever was one. So yeah, those are bad movies. I don't, I would not recommend anybody else to go see them unless you're like, quite frankly, curious how bad it is. I mean, but you're not going to enjoy your time watching it. At least I don't think. Um, So yeah, that's, that's where it is with Tom Holland and Uncharted. Uh, So I may or may not see it, but who knows? So you guys also saw Peacemaker? Uh, I did. Or David saw Peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Jesus. It was fantastic. Um, I def- definitely. I saw three episodes. <laughs> uh, I just I love it when superhero stuff go crazy with this genre. Uh, when directors go crazy in this genre. Okay, that's what I meant. Uh. It just, you know, if you ever seen Doom Patrol, you know, it's, I think it's, it's a bit crazier, the, like what they, these characters go through and all that, and kind of like in, in terms of the plot and all that. But this one though, like, I think it was just perfect amount of crazy for what Peacemaker is and what John Cena can do, honestly, which is fantastic. Uh, but more than anything though, I just, I really like what, um, James Gunn did with Peacemaker. Not really what I expected at all. I thought he was just going to stick with the movies, but the fact that he was able to come up with something for this character, 
uh, yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's anything that I didn't like about the show, but it's like, um, the trajectory from Peacemaker, I mean, from Guardians to Suicide Squad to Peacemaker, has just been like rising and rising. Like his, his level, uh, the work that he, the level that he's operating at right now is kind of untouched by so many other people or maybe anybody else but uh at least with peacemaker people loved it enough but there's always a point to where people don't seem to gel with guns stuff there's always a Mm -hmm. point to where like it's 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 just not like universally loved for reasons that i don't know i I guess it's just a style that turns people off Mm -hmm. I, i don't know maybe I know a lot of people had you and I discussed this with Guardians too in the commentary we did a year ago, where um, some people see it as a negative that in every one of his like projects there is an a level of sentimentality and emotion, like genuine like mm-hmm. emotional stuff, which it, like how Alexis's reaction just now it just kind of boggles Weird. my mind because like I'm sorry, do you not want that out of your stories? Is <laughs> Okay. That's that's a choice to to complain about that aspect of guns stuff, but um all right. Uh I mean it was a, it was a huge success. It renewed for season 2 and can't wait for it. And really I think it's the perfect example of what a comic book series should be as a TV show, especially if it's spinning off a, fran- a movie franchise. Um I, it's hard for me to think that Marvel will Marvel Studios. I should clarify Marvel Studios, not the other stuff which we won't touch because it's not you know you know. Anyway, yeah. it's hard to see Marvel Studios ever touch how great Peacemaker is. And I mean, to be fair, to an extent, like, well, I guess this excuse can't really fly anymore considering recent events. But with the stuff that's come out so far and how the flavor that the MCU provides. Um, they don't go as far as the stuff that the DC stuff has gone into, but particularly what Gunn did with, with uh, Peacemaker. When you think about the material, these are like sociopaths. You have to make them be sociopaths and also be likable and have hearts, which is pretty hard to do. All the same time, you have a really interesting geopolitical storyline and kind of enshrined with the butterflies. I'm not going to give it away. And then you have white supremacists on the show. Mm. You have literal, there's, you have a super villain who's a super clansman called the white dragon, like beautiful. And, (laughs) and on top of all of that, the dialogue, you can tell James Gunn was on, was on some shit because some of the lines that he dropped on this show, particularly the last couple of episodes, were directed at a couple of idiots um, that we've been see uh, we've been seeing gain a lot of attention these last couple of years. Um, seriously, it, it, it's great <laughs> stuff. It's great stuff, and it's so cathartic too. There is a particular um, monologue by in the last episode by um a particular character and david you should know because you i think you heard um it when we talked about the review and the spoilers um i don't know alexis did you did you listen to our spoiler conversation of peacemaker Mm-mm. okay good i'm not gonna say anything about that uh i mean the the details but in the last episode there's a big monologue by one character 
that is really kind of like <sighs> comes the close like that that particular fictional person on that show came the closest to really diagnosing like all the problems that we have as a species more so than anybody else in power <laughs> right now in the world mm-hmm. and it's pretty fucking sad mm. so guns great go see peacemaker mm-hmm. yeah so that's on HBO Max. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, Kyle still hasn't seen it. Mm. If anybody's wondering, see, at least I've seen a good amount. Yeah, at least things. you've seen something. I'm trying to catch up. Give me time. I'm getting yeah, you there. Need, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if- I cannot believe Kyle's not seen it. That is, I cannot. My brain. The next not- time he says that nobody loves <laughs> Guardians more than him. We all need to call out, call him out on his shit, because he he tries to pass himself off as the resident James Gunn expert here. Yeah, no, I don't think he can do that anymore. Oh God, that's no. so funny. I died. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's not happening. So, um, since we're on this. Uh, we do have a little bit of news that has happened recently, uh, and I did touch on this just a few seconds ago, and that is uh, other stuff that was uh, under the Marvel name, but not Marvel Studios or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, a few weeks ago, we discussed how all the Defender series and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would be taken off Netflix at the end of the month, which was February. Well, that's passed. We're now on March 1st. And as soon as they were taken off, Disney came swooping in with this big flashy press release saying that all of those shows, the Defender series, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, (laughs) Defenders, The Punisher, and um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would all be dropping – remind me, was it March 15th or March 16th on Disney Plus in America, in the United States? It's one of those two. Whichever one of those two dates it is, mm-hmm. but it's basically like later this month, uh, just like that. They're they're moving from one <laughs> service, have a fifteen day period, and then they'll be on to the next on Disney Plus, just like that. We discussed how we uh, Peter and I thought we we weren't sure what would happen, particularly with the Defenders shows, because of the mm-hmm. some of the graphic nature. Um, to them and so there was a good chance that they would be on hulu because at that point disney plus did not pull the trigger with material um like the shows yeah. and today they pulled the trigger uh they're gonna go on disney plus but with a you you're gonna have to go on your you have to update your settings and make sure that you have a, i guess a pin now to access mm-hmm. those shows if you want to which that should be interesting to see how it works at least for us, because yeah. everywhere else in the world, they already used to that because that's how they do it. But for us, like, um, mm-hmm. we don't get to be like that. So we're going to try it out for the first time with these Defenders series. Um, I want to know what you guys think about all of that, how this was handled um, in terms of like, maybe not so much focusing on the on the code itself, but just like the fact that these shows will no longer be known as the Netflix shows. We're now we're going to be calling them as the Defender shows because their association with Netflix is now and forever gone, which is yeah. weird to think about. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like it was kind of like a matter of time. Um, but I, 
I'm a little scared, but I'm also excited to see of what... Because then, like, I feel like at this point, since they did that, can they continue with, like, the same kind of storyline that they're, they were doing? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but it just kind of, like, brings back, like, how big these shows were when they were coming out. Like, this is all anybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um... So, like, that gets me excited. <laughs> Until it crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Until it crashed and burned with Defenders. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, it still makes me excited to see what they're going to do. Uh, just because I do like these characters and stuff. But it, it there's, there's a little caution also. And also, I just, it, like, pisses me off that... It took them so long to put something like not kid friendly air quotes into this platform mm-hmm. and so many shows that they let go because of this stupid reason. Like it's so ridiculous. Yeah, uh clearly. Uh Disney Plus has a track record of just being dumb <laughs> in general. <laughs> so yeah, that 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 is unfortunate. Um <sighs> These Netflix shows, or yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. These Defender <laughs> series. Um, I'm still gonna call it Netflix shows. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, because they 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 are kind of, although no longer. It, it, it's a weird wordplay. We're gonna have to get used to it because now they're going to be on Disney Plus. Uh, I I guess what I'm most interested in is what uh how they perform. On the service, you know, um, and I, look, I, I think it, it kind of like makes sense because they're already using some of those characters in their future stuff. Uh, so there, it, therein lies that some of these characters are going to come back, and who knows? I mean, basically, what they have the power to do now, if they so wanted to. They could bring back any of these shows and just continue where they left off. Like Daredevil season four could theoretically happen. However, you would think that because they're already on Disney Plus and that you have to have a pin just to see those shows, that if you were to continue with Daredevil, there would be no objection to continuing it the way that the show was done on mm-hmm. Netflix because you have these parental parameters in place now. But there is still a feeling in me that thinks they're not going to do that. They're yeah. not going to invest that level of money for something that is going to be behind a pin wall. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like they can't be that stupid. Like they have to realize that. Like they can't big, be, but you. I, I mean, know, I know. But look like, what you're talking about. To... You can't be that stupid. Look what they let go over the years. Look what they let go over the. Years. You can't be that stupid. Look who runs the company. Look, you can't be that stupid. It just kind of like they have to realize that a big draw for these shows was the fact that it was like darker and grittier and more violent like 
It was just, totally be, different than yeah, the other Marvel yeah. or the other MCU stuff, you know? Yes. I would just say, like, I don't know how much value, unless you're like you're like a you're an MCU stan on Twitter, but I don't know how much value canon is going to mean to you anymore when like we're living in an age where technically speaking because of the multiverse the raimi films mcu and then with doctor strange the x-men films quote-unquote mcu so if you're somebody who hasn't seen those entertainment shows either it be the defender series or agents of shield or agent carter if you're just looking for more Marvel content and you see that on Disney Plus and you see that in all of those shows there are references to the MCU, I don't know how much value this whole distinguish distinguishing between what is like quote unquote canon or not is gonna mean when you have all those shows in the same place and they all kinda sorta exist in the same universe. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the part that I'm excited about is to see people on Disney Plus, find all of these shows and for all of these shows to gain a new audience of sorts. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. kind of what I'm looking forward to, mm-hmm. really. Because I know a lot of people, um, for S.H.I.E.L.D. especially, just didn't see it because they didn't see it after what? After the, the, after the two tie-ins in the first two seasons, people just dropped off. And with it being on Disney Plus and it being right there, it has never been easier to just check it out. With yeah. it, it being just there on it. I know, because I know how people work, and I know how David and I have documented this literally the entire last year. When <laughs> that drops on Disney+, Plus, there is immediately going to be a thousand articles saying how all the Defender series and S.H.I.E.L.D. got put in the quote-unquote non-existent quote-unquote non-MCU section of Disney+, Plus, which means they're not canon. And the whole discussion is going to be about that, at least online. And that's just so fucking stupid. Like, unbelievably. So enjoy the stories, enjoy the shows. And also, like, look, I don't know how, like, they can keep saying it when, like, you have, like, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio already in the new series. Mm-hmm. Like, and when you think about it, like... And there was a little bit of a, like, a Daredevil resurgence after people of saw course it after and, hawkeye because yeah, of like, the interest people in there. were watching it all over again or people were like watching it for the first time mm-hmm. um so i can only imagine how it's gonna be once they go on disney plus yeah and with multiverse of madness that movie is basically gonna tie everything that's already on disney plus together including the x-men films through uh patrick stewart um and other characters that may or, or may not appear in the film to a point where if you if you really want to make it fit, quote unquote, you could. Because of all the, all the multiversal stuff happening. Um, so, you know, these shows being on Disney Plus right before Doctor Strange opens in theaters. Um, no coincidence. I don't, it's not a coincidence. It's no accident. <laughs> not whatsoever. So, and I'm really curious um, how crazy they go with like their blink and you'll miss it particular the actual cameos um, in the third act battle that I keep uh, reading about. Um, it keeps changing the the, the the particular details about what's in there, but um, I can't wait to see what it is um, and where this goes ultimately. Uh, but uh, yeah, so good to see that we'll, we'll have these shows on Disney plus also if like from a, from a personal standpoint, I, and David, I, um, because 
you follow this as well. I, I, I'm curious to um to get your thoughts about like the thing that you and I have been talking about a lot last year about this whole like canon or not thing. I feel like this year is like do or die when it comes to that, right? Because there are a couple of things in play uh, from the multiversal standpoint. So, for example, one of the things that I've read from some of the leaks that have been very accurate mm. with uh, the trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness have um, said flat out of a cavalcade of like different Marvel characters, including characters from the shows that we just talked about, but one of which could be S.H.I.E.L.D. as a like one of the things you see off in a distant background mirror dimension thing that could be very easy and very possible to put in there and then you and i have talked about um i think even more than rumors now about clark greg being in a minor role in the secret invasion show as a scroll i'm not sure if i talked about that or mm. not but um a recent development was that he would be playing a scroll maybe not the version from the last continuity of that last episode so with Secret Invasion, with Multiverse of Madness, and with the show ultimately now being on Disney Plus, I feel like this is the year we're gonna finally get something close to definitive as to like its place in this universe. Mm -hmm. Or is that a stretch to say? And we can still leave this year with as much of an ambiguity as we have right now. Um if you care, right? But just just to get an answer on this question. Yeah, I mean at first I thought we were gonna get something definitive, but then just thinking about it now, I think they want to want to keep it vague, just because. Um, dang, I don't know. I think they want to try to keep it vague for right now. I mean, the multiverse madness thing can make it definitive, but I think until they want, they know for sure what they want to do with these characters, especially because again, it feels like keeping it vague again with the whole secret invasion thing. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to want to wait until they can... I think that if they're going to stick with this, with the mm -hmm. multiverse thing, I think they're going to have to. Have to It feels like keep it vague. Because I feel like they're going to... Mm -hmm. They're trying to use this for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, it's like, here's the thing, right? So if, 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 if that was true and it said that in the background you see, let's say, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? That would probably confirm, I guess, it being somewhat affiliated with the MCU, but at the same time, it would confirm it as a multiverse. It wouldn't confirm it as happening in, like, mm -hmm. the MCU proper. So then that also makes you wonder, well, if if you read that as Marvel saying... The shield thing happened, but it happened in a pocket multiverse. And well, because that this is all you're gonna get as a little bit of a like, uh, I don't know. We're throwing you a bone there, but that's it, and we can't do anything about it because it's in the multiverse. I don't know. Can you read it that way? Because it it was easy enough to do as a little like background thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to say because they they just won't say flat out. And they yeah. refused to do it. Even in the press release today, <laughs> never once were these shows referred to Marvel Cinematic Universe. They were referred to Marvel Live Action Series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, and I, it's like, they're it's tiptoeing so around it. Yeah. It is annoying. It's so it is annoying. so annoying. 
Especially because, like, I would think, like, why not just make these shows retroactively MCU and build on them? What is, like, the big deal? Like, you created them. (laughs) Kevin Feige is is not going to live forever. At some point, you know you're going to have to do things without him. (laughs) I don't get it. Anyway, that's all. That's that. (laughs) Um, Euphoria. You guys want to talk about Euphoria? Yeah, oh, yeah, I saw that one. Uh, just the first season. I, I l- barely started watching the second season, and it's really good. <laughs> um, I think. I mean, the show got overhyped for me. I will say that. Uh, and uh, I guess over intensified. I guess that too because people. I did hear people were kind of like saying, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Like, uh, it's kind of fucked up and all that. And I mean, yeah, what they go through is kind of fucked up and everything. Um, but the show is great. Um, it, they do such a great job at setting up as to why these people are so fucked up. And then when something mm-hmm. happens to them, you just kind of like, uh, you you wish something like it played out differently, but you understand why this happened. And it's just it's always just the worst that you see in them going to, I guess in a in a way a downward spiral and all that. You see, part of that's partly why I've kind of avoided the show because I think part of its success as a captivating TV show is baked in that part of the experience will be insufferable. Mm-hmm. Because you're watching people being dumbasses and make making terrible decisions. I don't need that in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> if that's all it's gonna do and say, so that's kind of what some of the reasons I've avoided it. You're right though, David. It has been overhyped to death. Like I've seen so many people, not just on film Twitter, but I guess Zendaya Twitter or Euphoria <laughs> Twitter, or a whole bunch of random people just like saying how this is the best, like, um, this is so fucking amazing every Sunday or whenever it has a new episode. <laughs> it's gotten so bad that in the last couple of weeks, I had to literally mute Euphoria, Zendaya Euphoria from my timeline because I was just sick of it. Just completely sick of seeing this thing um and i'm not saying that if like you're somebody that enjoys it fuck you i'm just saying you're annoying me and i have everywhere to get rid of you from my life (laughs) i don't need that right now and that's just kind of where, where it came from the other thing also is um I don't know. I love Sindaya. I think she's great. Uh, I think she's deserving of all the praise. Uh, But hasn't it felt like maybe she's getting a bit too overexposed with these last couple of months, especially from hopping from Dune to Spider-Man and then Euphoria season two happening? And I don't know if it's just... Space Jam. (laughs) How could I forget Space Jam? (laughs) How could I forget... Yeah. uh, yeah. Space <laughs> Lola Bunny, I forgot about that. Yeah, that that's crazy. Um I don't know, like especially since like she always seems to wear the same face and everything she's in. Like at least the same like mood on her face. And I don't know if that kind of becomes a bit risky with um I'm not saying she doesn't have range. Of course she does. 
But it's like a lot of the projects that she's had out lately have kind of thought a bit the same, at least with what the role that she's playing and the character that she's playing. And I wonder if that could um, end up harming her a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, she has. Maybe it won't because she has such a huge army <laughs> uh, of fans. Now, now she has range in the show at some points. Yeah, she does get she does have that moody side of it. But then another another episode, she'll kind of be like kind of crazy in a way, kind of fun to watch and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'll mildly spoil it, but at one point she's trying to figure out what's what's going on with her friend Jules, and she literally goes into like a detective mode. Like literally, she has like a pantsuit holster and everything. It's all going on in her mind and everything, but she's kind of going like trying to put in all the details, and she's kind of going crazy about it and all that. So mm. she has range in the show, and then this one episode, it was, it it was a Euphoria special. With her in it, and fucking okay. fantastic episode. Literally, I was, as I'm watching the show, I was doing something else. So like, I was kind of, I wouldn't say half watching it. It's just like I wasn't paying. You were multitasking. I was multitasking, and this episode literally, I had to put it down because. Uh, for one thing, it takes place in one place it, at a diner and everything, mm-hmm. and so they really needed like good dialogue to get your attention, and it got my fucking attention. And she fucking killed it in this episode, especially towards the end. Uh, her character has says something that you just kind of like fuck. It's oh, it's I mean it's sad what she says and all that, but you just kind of like you want to feel hopeful her character in the very end and i honestly cried <laughs> in the end of the episode just because no mm-hmm. she did fantastic but like just the episode itself was so fucking fantastic so if more than anything <laughs> watch the show just to get to that episode yeah and um one of the weirder aspects of the show that i and i, I i'm not even this is gonna go into a weird place but it it was it took me to a weird place when I saw it, but there were people who were complaining that the show was showing off too much full frontal nudity. It's HBO. Yeah. They literally say it's people HBO. were literally complaining. It is HBO, right? People were literally complaining because there were too many dicks. <laughs> oh jeez. And I'm like See, that's funny. I've never seen anybody complain about too many breasts. Yeah. Wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely not something that I'm used Spacious. to seeing <laughs> and everything. But, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm just kind of like, you know what? Yeah, let's keep it equal here. People. I'll watch a couple of Sebastian Stan projects and that'll fix that. I mean, he seems, <laughs> literally, I mean, he seems to be letting it go these days with anything <laughs> he's in. Um, by the way, you, you've seen that, right? Alexis, Pam, and uh, Pam, and uh, what's his name? Pam, Pam and what's Tommy? his name? Yeah, what what is that? I don't. What is that? I I, I know there's a scene I where told, he has. I know. <laughs> I told David because I I've been watching it, but it's just kind of like this thing where like I feel so guilty watching it, but it's so good. But I feel gross watching it. Okay, so it's. Would you say this is like a guilty pleasure? No, because it's good. Like it's a good show. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but you but feel gross. I feel gross because uh-huh. I don't know if you know the story behind the show. No, I do not know. 
Well, I, it's a sorted story from what I can see. So basically, it goes through like the timeline of when Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's uh, sex tape came out. And they didn't get her consent to do the show. Which Pamela is, Anderson. Yes. This show is, on Hulu. Yes, which is a big deal because literally the whole story is about consent. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 so bad. So I do not recommend for people to watch it, but it is good. But also I feel like I need to take a shower after watching it because it's I feel icky. <laughs> But Lily James does a great job. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a. I'm sure people are watching that for um, something. They literally have a sex scene where she's like naked, naked. <laughs> I mean, is it basically porn? No, it's just been. I think like that one time. Um, okay. And yeah, there's that one scene with Sebastian Stan, which kind of, that's what turned people off out of everything. Okay. Um, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, it was like weirdly placed, but I don't know. Also for the record, I don't know if, who cares? That wasn't his real no, that it was, was obviously that, it wasn't like it moved. Like I don't yes, know how to say before, that, like, it, before it, it the effect, it, before the effect, it was a prosthetic. Yes, yeah. And, and when you see it, um, again, I don't know who needed that to be cleared up, but it's. <laughs> what about the truth here, people? We don't, know. <laughs> we don't want to false advertise of what you're seeing. So um, there's that. Uh, speaking of, um, I don't know. Um, Stuff of that variety um, when it comes to uh, very attractive people. Have you seen? I, I, have you seen the? Um, I know it's weird segue. I, I tried my best to find a way to get to this, but and, you, and, and you'll laugh. I have no idea where you were going. I know, but and you'll laugh when you find out what oh it my is. God, okay. So um, right now, uh, I, I guess either right now or in the last couple of hours, there's been uh, the New York premiere for the Batman. You see, this is just weird. Um, <laughs> And um, I promise there is a connection. Like, I mean, you'll see it when you get it. But uh, Barry Keoghan was on the red carpet uh, for the premiere of The Batman. Is he in the movie? Did you not see this? <gasps> I sent he? the picture on Messenger. On Messenger, I sent the, the photos of him uh, on the red carpet so for the premiere. So does that mean he's in the movie? Yes, he's in the movie. Is he joking? We don't know how much of it he is in. Or what he's doing, oh, and that's a surprise. Beautiful. Doesn't he? And that's what that was the segue to to connect all of it together. That's that's where it is. But the exciting part about that is Is he playing who we think he's playing in the Batman? I like, would be so down. But also I don't know the business aspect of this. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that he can't play Druig anymore? No. Are you I don't positive? Think so. Because I love not just him as a person, but I love Druig, <laughs> the character. 
Um, I don't think there would be a difficulty in him doing it. Like, well, I know that Gunn isn't a, isn't an actor; he's a director, but he simultaneously worked on DC and Marvel stuff with the Guardians and Suicide mm-hmm. Squad material. Mm-hmm. As far as actors are concerned, I don't know, but I would not take um that to heart. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that him being in the Batman movies will prevent him mm-hmm. from being in further Eternal stuff unless they happen to be there unless there's like a scheduling conflict. Uh if the projects happen to be like coinciding which uh, it is expected that Matt Reeves is going to be on at least for 3 movies. Mm-hmm. And that could take the the rest of this decade. Who knows how long that would take? At the same time, nobody has any idea when the Eternals will yeah, return and in what form that will take and who it would involve. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had it my way, it would be being made right now, but it's not. So <laughs> we have to get through a whole bunch of other stuff. But um, clearly we're referring to rumors now for months that Barry Keoghan, who played mm-hmm. Druig on the Eternals film, both of which Alexis and I seem to enjoy quite a bit, who also Kyle does not like and least for reasons that are quite mystifying. I don't know how you could look at that face and not love that. I don't know about that. <laughs> but Joker. The rumors of him playing this Batman's Joker were too tantalizing to dismiss because when you like that actor and that role, that just sounds too perfect to pass up just too perfect uh david what what would you think of the idea of barry keoghan being the joker for this batman i mean i don't think i've seen much of that actor and besides eternals or so you think Hmm? or so you think this man's been in everything really I mean, I don't know. I just I, he's been in a lot of things. Oh, well, for example, he was in the Green Knight in a small role yeah. last year. Oh yeah, uh, he was also in that. Un- he was a uh, he played a smaller role in Dunkirk as well. Uh, there's a, another movie. film. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, the, 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 this man has been in a lot of smaller indie films and smaller okay. roles, and so he. Uh, I would think at this point, there's a reason, Chloe had him in her film and there's a reason Matt Reeves would cast him as the joke. Uh, like this didn't come out no, of yeah, nowhere. I'm sure he's an amazing actor and all that. Uh I just I, don't, I just I I want to get like a I would like to see more of a certain actor if they're going to play the Joker and all that just like this a, big of a character yeah. of course. Yeah. And so but I mean, for him, do you feel that you had enough of Jared Leto when he was announced as the Joker? <laughs> no. <laughs> and clearly that showed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, to be fair, though, the one guy in Gotham, uh, I just, that was the first time. He was so He was good. amazing. At the he was so I did hear he was better. Much better. Mm-hmm. Oh. He was great. Especially in the first Much episode. better. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, anybody he was- could be better. I, I know I know this much. He was so good. He's probably the only reason the show went on as long as it did. Oh, I totally believe that. Him and all the villains like are the reason people... He, won- he right. like single-handedly saved that show. <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> From <laughs> getting him 
from getting canceled. He had like one episode, I think, in the first season, and like he killed it as like the Joker and all that. I think he was just called someone else. And then when he, when they like announced that he was coming back or something, I'm sorry. and like it bring and like the anticipation of that. And they did they did the um like the scary Joker where he takes off his skin. Yeah, mm. wild. Uh, no, he was he was so so good. Yeah, he, like if anything, watch the episodes that he's in, and right, right, you've seen the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I always thought, like, you know what? A lot of people did watch the show and stuff mainly because of him, but he should play like the Joker in a movie or something. Mm-hmm. But I see him <clears throat> and Barry kind of the same. Anyway, yeah. so I'm hoping that he kind of plays him in a certain way. Because, um, yeah, he, yeah. It's so good. You see, I may just be alone in this, but, like, I... I was probably the hardest person on the Eternals film in the first viewing of it. Like, I thought such bad things about the movie. But you know what I never thought was bad about the film? Was Barry Keoghan's performance, <laughs> especially. Like, to me... He was one of the standouts, just purely from a performance standpoint in that movie. And I think because by design, he's not much, he's not in it all that much, right? Because there's 10 characters in the movie that seems to have gotten overlooked. Um, But one of my favorite moments in the film was, I guess some people would like interpret this overacting, but when he's like yelling at Ajax mm-hmm. for like... um all the stuff that's happened and him like literally in tears as like expressing what he believes in. like that I was a real that. fucking this moment. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real fucking was moment. moment. <laughs> and of course, like the he was in some scenes, he kind of took on an adversarial um, nature when they're in the Amazon in the middle of the movie uh, at that point. And he kind of like you just see the way he carries himself. It's like, yeah, I I, I buy it. Already as like a potential Joker character, mm-hmm. I would love to see it. Like I could see the places he could take that character would be scary. Even mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say, yeah. And I, you know, what's what's really exciting now. Like thinking about it, like for the first time. And look, I, hmm, I don't mean this to be taken as a diss to Zack Snyder, even though it kind of is. Or to the Warner Brothers executives, even though it very much is. But it finally feels like after all of these years of us talking about like cinematic universes and like new installments, this is the first time I think we can genuinely like be excited and and be reassured that the person who is making these new Batman movies has a truly at the very least organized vision for what he, for what he wants to do with these characters and these movies um and he's also good at making movies um and i think that's exciting yeah so like i i f- we're watching it tomorrow i can't wait i'm so excited it's exciting like, we'll be watching it the day uh, i think we're watching it thursday um and it's just it's uh yeah it it, 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 because like 
it, it not only looks like a great Batman story or a great Batman movie, um, but it looks like a great movie in the way a lot of comic book films these days can't quite get there because in particular the Marvel stuff uh, come across as more as expensive TV episodes in a long-standing MCU series rather than a capital M movie that is under one vision. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons you and I love Eternals so much, Alexis, because we felt that Chloe was the exception to the rule, where she definitely took that and made that the movie she wanted to make. And it was far more interesting than literally anything else MCU that came out that year. Maybe WandaVision, but everything else when it came to the MCU, both TV and film, was nowhere near as interesting as what happened with Eternals for a lot of reasons. Um, but And of course, not to mention, of course, The Suicide Squad that came out that last year. And yeah. you see how the blockbuster genre can benefit so much from having a true visionary at the helm of it. So there's so many reasons to be excited for this Batman movie. Um, and I can't wait to see it. Truly. Yeah. I'm so excited. Oh and I can't wait to see what... Uh, man, it would be disappointing if he's not the Joker, though. I, I don't want to like get myself like disappointed about that, but I mean, he is... In the movie, we know I, that. Yeah, what else would he play? I would be fine if he is a different villain, but as long as he's a villain, I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, and like even if it's not if it's not the Joker, I, I would be fine if it's not. You know, I'm so excited. But speaking of villains, right? You were saying, yeah, I am so excited to see the guy who plays the Riddler. <laughs> yeah, Paul oh Dano. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I can't. I'm so damn excited for this movie. It's just so it's so exciting that there's various villains at play and we're not at all worried about like this being a mess because of who's making it. Like we have Paul Dano as a Riddler, uh Colin Farrell as Penguin, which looks fucking insane. And then Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Like Perfect. And then if we have like a small like scene with the Joker in there, it's like best Batman movie ever. <laughs> like it could be. <laughs> I mean, like Batman and from like also a, it would be yeah. an origin story because I don't know. If I I just saw the IMDb for the Batman, mm-hmm. and he's like a uh, what's it called the like a cop or something mm. or a detective. I don't know what the fuck. Right. Um. So it would be an origin story. So that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it definitely uh. would be. It would be an origin story that wouldn't overtly feel like an origin story, like a lot of the Marvel yeah. movies do, mm-hmm. because of so yeah. much of what's like, at play. Like, um, the what is it called? Is it the Dark Knight? No, Batman Begins. Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. I don't like that movie. I don't think back to it very uh, much at all. And it's an origin uh, story. Yeah. yeah. I don't like it. Um, so I'm, and like this is like you know like beginning, beginning. So I don't know. I'm so excited. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just made me think of like all the other Batman movies. I need to watch Mask the Phantasm yeah. either tonight or tomorrow before, uh, because people have really Peter and everyone has been saying no. <gasps> okay, this week in Alexis hasn't seen something. All right, let's recap. My experience with no, Batman no, no. the 
Wait, my experience with Batman the Animated Series has been limited, but I did see several episodes of Batman the Animated Series. I am familiar enough with those versions of those characters, which also ultimately did carry over to Batman Beyond and also the Justice League Animated Series. So I know those shows. I know those characters. I just haven't seen every single episode of Batman the Animated Series, first and foremost, which means I also haven't seen Mask of the Phantasm. So... (laughs) Yes, I haven't seen that, but I will rectify that before I see the new Batman movie, um, because it, it it's, I would say, pretty high praise that several people are calling Mask of the Phantasm the best Batman movie ever made. That is some pretty high fucking praise, and that makes it pretty exciting to go check out. Um, but other Batman stuff that I have seen... Um, for the most part, it's been pretty good. Uh, the the eighty the nine film was great. Um, the follow up to that is fucking crazy, <laughs> but <laughs> hilarious. The Batman, or the or was the Batman Returns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see uh, Forever or Batman and Robin. Okay, but I did see Batman Begins. Didn't care too much, honestly. Um, I saw The Dark Knight, which I love because it's great. Yeah. Uh, Dark Knight Rises, I'm kind of indifferent, ultimately, yeah. mm-hmm. about it. It's like, I see why it's hated. I don't hate it, but I also don't care. Mm-hmm. Then came Batman v Superman. Oh, Dawn of Justice, which I think is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. What a disappointment um, that was. Oh my <laughs> god. That is horrible. Can you imagine them fumbling the bag? <laughs> Batman and Superman? What the fuck? It did it in a way only Zack Snyder could. <laughs> and it only got worse from there, unbelievably. Uh, so there was that one. I guess, yeah, Batman v Superman. And then what was surprisingly pretty great was Lego Batman movie. Yeah. <laughs> I did watch that movie, but I did not pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention then, and then maybe you'll like it better. I mean, you're not going to like a movie you don't pay attention. Or are you saying it didn't get your attention? No, I just I was doing other stuff. Okay, that's that's the problem. <laughs> that's why I don't like people that talk over like movies or like how can you enjoy something if you have somebody else like talking over it or you're like thinking of something else. That's just the way it is. Um, I love Lego <clears throat> Batman movie. Like, I think I, I, I prefer Lego Batman <laughs> to the Lego movie. And I love Lego movie. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think that brings us, I don't, I don't think we can count the Justice League movies. Nah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> They're, I mean, it wouldn't make much of a difference anyway, if we did. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's genuinely, and I'm I'm happy for Matt Reeves because, um, he everybody agrees universally that what he did with Dawn and War for the Planet of the Apes, Amazing. I mean, was sensational, mm-hmm. sensational. Some of the best sequels ever made. He went into the middle of of a trilogy and made it his own and gave it a vision and gave it some some of the best movies made this century. Bar none, really. There's just no comparison. And one of the best examples of a revival to a franchise 
I've ever seen, maybe ever will mm. be. And honestly, it's a shame they're not talked about as much as they should yeah. be. Everybody talks about them when they're in theaters. Everybody agrees how great they are. But once they go away, they go okay. away and people yeah. don't talk about them. Mm. And it's yeah. weird though, because it's- I remember those, watching those movies so well. It, they're so good. Oh my yeah. God. No, I find it weird that people never bring it up whenever they talk about this movie in particular. You know, like they'll talk about certain things coming out or like what they're excited about, but no one ever says like, "Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually excited about this movie because Matt Reeves did a great job with Planet of the Apes or something like that." I'm like, anyone who's skeptical about this movie, I guess, like they just kind of they just never bring that up. I'm like, you did a great job with these movies. I don't understand why anyone would be skeptical about it. <laughs> And then, like, even then, even if they were skeptical, like, all the people involved with the movies, like, amazing. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I can't wait. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's almost here. Work is going to be a drag tomorrow. (laughs) See, that's why when I'm seeing it, I took the day off. (laughs) I can't do that. I mean, I shouldn't, but I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling out. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I was like, literally, it's so funny. It was I was laughing yesterday because we asked David, oh, let's go like to San Diego to visit our family. Let's like, it took him almost, no, it took him like six months to see his nephew, his baby nephew. But yesterday, I'm like, hey, call out so we can go watch Batman. He's like, it literally took him like 10 seconds. Okay. <laughs> okay. To be fair, though, I was thinking about calling out anyway, because I've been working six days a week for the past couple of weeks, and I'm just like, I need a second day. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know what to say. It's like, but it, it it's worth the excitement. Um, so much more than like, I think, than we've been in a long time. Yeah. Like, like you're talking about superhero movie. Well, okay. I think like the last one was maybe Dune that I was excited about. Yeah. That's true. Um. I wasn't looking for. I wasn't particularly excited about Spider Man. Yeah. Um, or Eternals. I mean, yeah. excited because of the of the mixed reaction it got. Or Shang Chi. Or Black Widow. <laughs> it's been a long fucking time. <laughs> because, oh wait, the Suicide Squad. Never mind. That was the last one that I was like really pumped That's up for. True. And yeah, yeah, and that one didn't fail <laughs> at all. Mm. Yeah. Um, speaking of, let me get into some uh, some of the stuff that I've been looking at lately this last week. Um, you probably already know because I've been sending you like clips of all the things, and I've been talking about it. Uh, I think uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, you guys can hear me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just making sure because the, the connection was a little bit like unstable for us a second mm-hmm. there. Fuck! Just drop my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to put them back on and it fell out of my hand. Okay. That's great. We're all fine. Anyway. Um, 
So I mentioned in last week's show that I saw some behind the scenes materials for the the two of the most recent Marvel films, and that was Shang Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings, and then also Eternals. Um, I wasn't planning on seeing the Shang Chi stuff, so this is how it happened. Um, Alexis, I think, saw it well before I did. I think you were watching it when it came out. I mean, a couple of days at least before I did, which was the, um, it's called Marvel Assembled, The Making of Eternals, mm. which is on Disney+. Plus. First and foremost, I will say, um, it is disappointing on some level that Disney can't even be bothered to, first of all, put that whole documentary on the Blu-ray itself, especially since... Several um, sections of that documentary were the same features that were on the Blu-ray, but just stitched together. Yeah. Which is which feels like a cheat. And it's enraging. When, when I played it on the... What's it called? The movies? Anywhere? Anywhere. Whatever. Yeah. I was like... I. Literally just saw it because I finished that and then I went over to that and I was like, I literally just saw this. Mm. See, okay. I was the opposite. I saw the features on Movies Anywhere first. Uh, and I, <laughs> for those that are not aware, like we, I purchased the film and so I have those f- features on Movies Anywhere d- d- digitally. And then I saw the documentary on Disney Plus and I was like, wait a minute, this is the exact same <laughs> thing <laughs> as I just saw. And I'm like, you're cheating here, Disney. <laughs> You're cheating here, and it's not nice. Um, so that aspect of it was disappointing. The good part about it, though, is the content in those features was good that I didn't mind too much seeing it again because it did um, – like, I'll just say it for me. Um, and we talked a little bit about this when we had Kyle uh, on a call last week <clears throat> that – the making of the Eternals thing was very much a movie in and of itself, and the main character was Chloe Zhao. Mm-hmm. And she took you on the process of this movie, how you would expect a, a documentary like this would, and that every single aspect of this film, from the craft standpoint, was all driven by what the story is and what she wants people to feel through this film. And you may think that that sounds like such a basic and elementary thing. And let me tell you, it is. But that's just not the level that a lot of other people with this studio are operating at. Because I also saw the making of Shang-Chi. And I don't know if you guys have seen any of those other ones, but or the, or the making of Shang-Chi. I would just say, don't fucking bother. Because it just seems like a waste of time. And when I tell you that the making of Shang-Chi, the main character was not... The director, uh, Daniel Dest- uh, Destin, Daniel Cretton. I don't know what his name is. I fear <laughs> Cretton, whatever, the director. I saw an audio commentary with this guy. I don't even remember the actual order of his name. Anyway, he's kind of off to the side and he gives commentary on like, oh, this is how we film this. And yeah, it was really hard that day. And wow, this person is cool. I can't believe we got to work with them. And the rest of it is seemingly you going like, man, I'm really happy to be here. I love doing stunts. Here, let me let me do a stunt for you. Like that, I'll, I'll do it again. 
Okay, watch, but watch. Let, let me try this. That's it. That's literally it. There is no conversation or discussion about thematically what this film was going for, why they made the story decisions they made, why you're seeing certain scenes in the order you're seeing them. Nothing fundamentally interesting about the design for how this film was crafted. Which is unfortunate at all in because this is supposed to be their Black Panther. Literally, for Black Panther, I know you guys don't necessarily, it's not your favorite movie. It's not mine either. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that I loved, like, behind the scenes was the costume designing. I mean, I'm obviously going to The Academy Award winning costume designer. Literally, yes. Um, like, I'm... I, any behind the scenes stuff, like that's what I gravitate towards the most. But yeah. like for this one, it was so cool because of the way that like the the costume designer talks about like every single piece of um what's it called of clothing Shang-Chi? means no in Black Panther means something oh. like it has a meaning behind something. Yeah. And the fact that they couldn't do that with Shang-Chi, I don't know. They talk about the costumes maybe for like a minute. (laughs) In the, I'm I'm being serious, in the making of documentary uh, for Shang-Chi. And if you thought that that sounded vapid enough, wait till you check out the director's commentary. The single most boring and useless commentary I've ever listened to. And David knows this. I really enjoy listening to audio commentaries for films of this nature, especially. This commentary was useless. Mm. You learned nothing new. And quite frankly, and I shared some clips with Peter, the director sounded very bored. (laughs) With the movie he made. (laughs) And at very times... And at, and at various times, not knowing what to say, and often going to the person he's doing the the commentary track with, like, okay, so um, what did you think when this happened in the movie? As if he were conducting an interview and not himself. Ex- that's not what an audio commentary is supposed to be for, bro. Like, hello? I, it's It was... I listened to that whole thing and it was like, wow. And there was a part in, um, I'll give you an example. This was the scene where Shang-Chi reunites with his sister in the ring and they're having this fight. Yeah. And you would think that in a commentary track, the, the people behind the filmmaking process would be talking about like what was in their heads about what they wanted to evoke with the scene and how many different ways they would try it out and all the layers that were into it. The entire time that fight sequence went on, there was silence. They weren't even talking during an audio commentary while a scene of that magnitude for the characters was going on. You'd think Kyle was doing that audio commentary with how silent it was. Dang. (laughs) And I was just thinking, like, really? Like, did Kevin Feige listen to this and think... Yeah, this is great. I, the worst weird. audio commentary ever, ever in my life. And the very few times they did bother to like 
say anything about like what was actually happening in the movie at that point. They were touching on like surface level things that everybody got when you're watching it. Like they were saying like in the scene where like Wen Wu and Shang Chi's mother have that fight love sequence, right? And they were saying and he basically said, This is where you're supposed to feel like they're having a connection. And <laughs> I'm not joking. This is literally like hey, look, they're fighting. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Hey, look, they're they're taking a walk. <laughs> the very first, I want to say, 90 seconds in the commentary, it doesn't even take that long. The director goes to the person next to him and asks, so what did you think when we cast uh, Tony Leung? <clears throat> what did you he think? He should... <laughs> it was a fucking joke, especially when... Not and 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 I think the said the same can be said for both the commentaries and the making of documentaries, especially when I'm comparing um, it to Eternals, where it was the complete opposite, where Chloe is just like on it with every aspect of the filmmaking process. And in the making of, you saw Alexis how much the costumes and the production design, especially, really enhanced the storytelling. what the ideas that Chloe wanted to express, and in the commentary itself, she has her visual effects um, supervisor Seretti on, mm-hmm. um, and they get into it really with like so many small details when it came to the sound design, uh, how they structured the film, how she wanted the 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 score to be, how they filmed certain. Like I don't know if you listened to the audio commentary the whole thing through. But it's definitely worth a listen because it's just so interesting and you get to see the, the mind behind Chloe Zhao. And she's just really fascinating to hear from about how she sees movies mm-hmm. and how she saw this film. And it just made me realize, like, having, like, examined all of the behind-the-scenes stuff, how much the film really has resonated as the weeks have gone by, as the months have gone by, how much it's stayed in here, how much I care. Um, and um, how great it actually is to me. And I would really be curious to see what all of your reactions would be. I know because like Peter, I think Peter and David, you you guys are like, you like the film. Mm-hmm. You probably wouldn't love it, but you liked it just fine. And I'm at, I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? Fuck everybody else. And fuck you. I don't mean fuck you, David. <laughs> I mean, fuck you as in general to the audience because this film got so done dirty. And especially since, and I, I shared this, I believe with both you, David and Alexis, a lot of clips from some video, or maybe it was just you, Alexis, about this guy that was kind of breaking down a lot of the Rotten Tomatoes yes. reviews and some critics. And what did you think of the, uh, of the stuff that I shared with you? I mean, it's just, you get mad because, okay, First of all, the thing where he says that she's trying to be like Zack Snyder. <laughs> oh, that was somebody else. But yeah, that um, was infuriating. There was, this guy went on this like tangent about how like this movie felt like a Zack Snyder ripoff. Yes. <laughs> and just to start off with that, it's like it's so like ludicrous because I will grant on some level the characters in this Eternals film are supposed to be somewhat distant because, yes, they are gods to an extent. I get that. 
But on any day of the week, and I will fight you to the death on this, on any day of the week, you cannot convince me that the truly loathsome people we saw in the Snyder universe were vastly more likable than the people we saw in the Eternals. The Eternals may not have had their own individual like massive epic onto them because there were 10 characters, but after seeing the film several times over, there is enough of them to enjoy and to like as personalities at, or archetypes at the very least. Whereas when you see the Snyder stuff, these people are, they're loathsome. You don't like any of them. They're dumb. They're stupid. They're bad. Like, am I wrong yeah. there? <laughs> no. So just it, on it, that, yeah. It's, those it's, movies it's makes you not care about characters that have been with us for many many years whereas yeah. these characters we are we don't really know them i mean yeah read the comics and it makes you want to know everything it makes you want to you know want more and <laughs> one of the interesting stuff uh one of the interesting information that came out about all of this is like you you come to know the history of the eternals comics themselves and you realize that they never really were that successful Mm-mm. Like they've they've kind of been canceled several times, <laughs> and like it kind of like it makes you think like even even I guess you could yeah I think you can prove it now with with this movie adaptation for as great as I think it is, um it clearly did not connect with the larger audience the yeah. the larger Marvel audience I would argue because it didn't even bother to be what they all want every Marvel movie to be but hey I guess we can put that to the side, but if we put that with the history of the comics. This series has never really connected with a mass audience. And I guess we're at a point where can it ever really? I hope so, because we need I a sequel. See more. <laughs> I need to see more. We yeah. need that Eternals part two. Yes, I need it. We need to see what uh, what happens and what else. And we only will accept it with Chloe. I will not accept it with yes. anybody else. Oh my god, yes. If it's not happening with Chloe, I don't want it. Don't even bother. It's 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 just it can't. It can't because yeah. it just won't be the same. It won't be, yeah, it, no. <laughs> In any way, shape, or form. So it's just like that's that's a non-starter for me. So that's where I'm at with that. But I also shared with you about this other guy that was like examining certain like actual. I'm not even talking about like, like video essays on YouTube. Like actual like oh, yeah, accredited yeah, yeah. people on Rotten Tomatoes that write reviews for publications. And one of them that was like saying a lot of inaccurate things that happened in the film that made you think like, okay. Did you even watch? <laughs> right. Like he was, I don't know if David saw this, but like in one of the, in one of the things he said in this New Yorker review, he was confused about, I think he was, he thought that they were literally time traveling. <laughs> like, a, like a legit movie review. Oh. Like in the New York Times, right? The, the New Yorker. The, okay. <laughs> he legit thought that they were time traveling. That's bad. <laughs> because the film was happening out of sequence. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, and then, just, yeah. Um, something about um, Cersei and Icarus, mm-hmm. where. Uh, that one got me mad too, but I forgot what it was. Something about like them meeting on Earth, or I don't know that they 
something about that. Well, that that New Yorker person was inaccurate because um, he was saying that they met on Earth, but they had met in the scene before, which was just above <laughs> Earth. the scene before. <laughs> it's the same review, so it's just like a lot of the critics just seem like they refused to engage with the material. And I have to be honest, though, because of this has kind of been a kind of a wake up call for me in a lot of ways. Um, with both Eternals and Shang-Chi because I realized that because I, I, I wrote a review myself for the Desert Review um, of Shang-Chi and I've come to realize I was far too kind. <laughs> I was far too optimistic about like and I, I I feel kind of like embarrassed to say that in one of I used the word ambition in that review when it came to Shang-Chi and now all these months later I'm like the fuck were you on? Were your ex? You know what it was? Hey, you Our were ex- too nice. I did read your review. Uh, and yeah, I was, it, like, oh, I was too okay. nice. Yeah, and it was. You know what it was? My expectations were just so like beneath the floor after Black Widow. <laughs> I was just grading on a massive curve, and anything was passable. And I even said to myself, at least in the, in in the days after watching Shang Chi the first time, that it was far better than Black Panther. And now I'm like. Yeah, no, 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 no. This, and and it could be that the commentary was just too fucking boring, but like, I've seen the movie now and I have no desire to see it again. I have no desire to own the film. It's really overrated. Mm-hmm. Like, really, like a lot of people put this in their top 10 MCU movies. I'm not lying here. I've seen a lot of those videos. I've seen a lot of those ranked lists and I'm just like, wow. Yeah. And on the flip side with Eternals, it's far too vicious and far too dismissive. And I was that way myself. I was refusing to engage with the material that was in front of me. That isn't to say that the, the, the critiques that I had were completely invalid. They were to a large extent valid. But after like, you know, attempting to engage and to, make a connection with the movie, I've come to realize what she was going for. And I won't say it was like flawless. It wasn't. But I've come to appreciate all the little aspects that made the whole of that film Mm -hmm. to the point where it's now made me go like, okay, maybe I should be far more um, contemplative about movies that don't exactly wow me or interest me the first time. And then instead of, of immediately dismissing them, you know, um, so because that one was a wake up call because I I've never gone. Not that I can remember of this arc. The first time I saw it, I hated it. The second time I saw it, I was like, you know, this isn't that bad. Then I had the podcast with you on Fantasy Fair Alexis. Then I had the podcast with Peter and I was like, maybe this is actually kind of good for me. Then I saw it the third time in theaters and I was like. I think I liked this movie. And then months after the fact, I see it on home video um, once and then a second time through the commentary. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm on the love train now. I think I'm like officially on board. (laughs) And I don't know what happened there. Um, But I will say... It's not, I don't think I'm alone in this because I have shared articles Mm -hmm. that have have shared the same headline, which is like, 
The film gets better with repeat viewings. I know it's not an excuse. It's no excuse that the film didn't work as well on a first-time viewing. And if that didn't do it for you, fair enough. But for whatever reason, the film improves every single time I see it. So that's how I feel personally about it. Uh, and the next, I guess this is an awkward segue. We're going to try and bring back audio commentaries, guys. Um, hopefully later this year, as in like in the, um, in the summertime. And I'm curious, what kind of like movies that have come out, especially in the last year, would you like to uh, see us do group commentaries of? I'll just throw out Eternals, clearly, because that's mm. one that uh, would be pretty funny, uh, okay. funny, but or fun to do. And Gantt? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's also a movie, by the way, that's improving every single time I see oh, and, get, sure. and gets better and The better. more and more people talk about really, it, and like, I'm just kind of like... <laughs> this is almost like a perfect movie <laughs> yeah man and like it's getting to a point where I'm like I, I feel really bad I really do but it's like I'm I'm struggling we'll, we'll keep this just between the three of us because I know Peter's not going to listen and Kyle won't listen <laughs> but um, I, I'm kind of struggling with like what should be the last spot on my top 10 and it's kind of like a fight <laughs> between Encanto and Mitchell's versus the machines. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't like pick. I can't. Like, yeah. I think maybe I'm leaning more toward Encanto, but it's like, but why? It just makes me, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel the same way because I think that like movie wise, I think that Mitchell's versus the machine is the better movie, but yes. I love Encanto so much. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, do you go with your head or do you go with your heart? It's hard. <laughs> and it wouldn't be hard if it was a year where there wasn't that many great movies. But there was. There, was. there were too many great movies. And I'm like, no, it's hard, man. It really is. Because when I think about it, am I really not going to put one of the best Disney animated movies on my top ten? At the same time, like, one of the best animated movies in general is something that's not from Disney, which makes it even more special. It's from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who I love and always turn in. And, of course, Michael Rihanna, the director. It's hard. Yeah. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, both Mitchells and Encanto... I think are great candidates for audio commentaries. Yeah. I guess they're both winners in that area. I think we can all agree Dune would make a great uh, audio commentary for us to do. Oh, you know which one? Malignant. Mm. <laughs> that would be a good one. Oh. I love that so movie. Good. Every time like anybody says Malignant, I just like, I can't help but just smile because of how, oh my God, like, how surprising how thrilling um, that one exciting. i think was like the least like uh, i don't know the least um, expected yeah, yes it was, it was very surprising because i don't even know i don't even know like i never saw anything about it like nothing. no nothing it was, it was kind of like when we went to go see um <laughs> what is it called um 
The one that stole the Oscar from La La Land. <laughs> Moonlight? Yeah, or Arrival. It was kind of mm-hmm. like in those. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. we just like... I'm, when you and I saw it in theaters years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like, that one's just crazy, though. Yeah. <laughs> How amazing would it have been if all of us saw it together in a theater for the first time? Wow. Sad I didn't get to see that in the theater mm. or yeah. with you guys. Like, that would have been a great experience because that film is legitimately insane and like perfect. Yeah. Just it perfect. Was so good. And yeah, and I own it too. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like a lot of, um, I, I haven't, because 2020 didn't have many, obviously, movies, but lately I've been like, updating my like film collection and just getting a couple of things like recently um well i mentioned to you that i got la la land the Lionsgate steelbook which is gorgeous one of the best steelbooks ever made i want to say right now so good i didn't have a slip cover so <laughs> that's the 4k la la land one and like i, mean, I already own this movie on blu-ray but fuck it this is so good how could you not and for 20 bucks right now on bestbuy.com it's a steal go and order yours because then they'll make mm-hmm. more support physical medium <laughs> then on top of that we just talked about it. Eternals, the Target exclusive one. Oh, jeez, really that that was a be- beautiful cover. That's art. That really <laughs> this Target exclusives. I just got Encanto, uh, the Target exclusive one. Also, the Last Duel, the 4K Blu-ray. Mitchell's David also acquired that one, the Blu-ray for Mitchell's versus the Machine. Like, when does Netflix release a Blu-ray? Mm. Uh, like, literally, um, Pig and Spencer. Which are both available to stream on Hulu. I mean, I don't care if they are. Like, if I care about it enough, I will acquire. And yeah. clearly, I got it with both of those. Um, and yeah, if I got it with No Time to Die, I don't care about James Bond, but I really love that movie. I don't know why, but it's really good. Malignant and also The Green Knight. So a lot of them, and I also pre-ordered West Side Story. The Green Knight didn't get nominated for anything, huh? No, it was never going to because it came out in the middle of summer. And people forgot it existed. Because the the people that vote for these awards have a bad case of recency bias. And uh, on top of all that, a whole other list of biases that prevented that film from like even being anywhere near the conversation. Like, for example, we all agree Malignant should be a nominee for Best Makeup. Mm. That did not get nominated. Because horror films do not get nominated for, for Best Makeup. Ridiculous. Because they would win if they were mm. nominated. Mm-hmm. But they're not quote-unquote serious filmmaking for these people. So that's that's how it happens to be. So I pre-ordered the West Side Story uh, Target exclusive, which I'm sure you've seen the art for that. And then um, also Spider-Man No Way Home, the Walmart art, because that was the only art that I liked and everything else just looks like fucking shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then also this month, Licorice Pizza comes out on Blu-ray, which I love that movie. Have you seen Licorice Pizza no. yet? Mm. Which I guess you'll see it whenever I buy it, then, and it'll be on the movies anywhere or Voodoo. But it's a fucking great film. And then also, um, Nightmare Alley comes out on Blu-ray, 4K yeah. this month. Which, by the way, if you want to see Nightmare Alley, which you fucking should see that movie because it's amazing. You can see it on not one but two streamers right now on both HBO Max and Hulu. And by the way, if it hasn't been mentioned, also see West Side Story both on HBO Max and Disney Plus. You have no excuse now not to. I saw. Um, so. Nightmare Alley in black and white in my theaters. It looked so good. Oh my god! <laughs> if there's a chance for anyone to see it like that, go ahead, watch it. 
David, and here I thought I wanted to kill you when you actually had a chance to see an episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. with an audience with Clark Gregg, <laughs> Chloe Bennett, and Jeff Ward at D23. Now I want to kill you even more. You got to see the black and white version of Nightmare yeah. Alley. And you're seeing the Batman tomorrow yeah, before yeah. me. What's up? <laughs> I know. There's this Damn. theater here who shows. Um, Is it Harkins? No, I mean, yeah, that's the one that we usually go to. But no, it's like a like a local theater, like mm. here in Tucson. Um, and they have showings or like yeah, showings of movies like not new and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always tell David that we should go, but we should plan on go all of us one day if you guys ever want to visit us because. They like they do like I think right now um they're having like a kind of like a French film festival type of mm. thing, but it's like not like movies that you would like don't understand <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're in French. It's like I don't know. Um the movies that they play are really interesting and we should go. It's kinda cool. And then it's like uh, sometimes they have like interactive audience also like mm-hmm. they played like the Selena movie one time oh. and like people go dressed up and like they'll play like the music before they play the movie and stuff like that. So it might be fun. I mean, that all sounds fun. Absolutely. And by the way, I think all the movies like I'd love to see a commentary on Nightmare Alley for us or West Side Story or... um. Luca, even that would be fun. Mm-hmm. I love Luca. We should talk about Luca. People forget about that that movie actually mm-hmm. happened, even though like it was a big thing and everything. Um, which, uh, by the way, thank you for the book. I love so much the art <laughs> book that both of you gave me uh, for the Christmas holiday. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great movies that I think we should consider doing audio commentaries for. And when you think about it. It's been a really long time since we've done group audio commentaries. David, I think the last one you and I did was what? Um, Was it Far From Home or was it Guardians 2? Guardians 2, I think. And that was a year ago. (laughs) So we've not been doing commentaries lately. So it could be the time to bring that back. And we've got a lot of good movies. No Way Home could be a good commentary. Um, So could The Batman when that comes. So, I mean, we know, yeah. So there's a lot of good options. Uh, There is something before we go that I forgot that you saw, but now that I remember that you saw it, Alexis, uh, did you finish Tick, Tick, Boom? I did. Okay. Let's hear it, because it seemed like, at least from, um, you were basically like live tweeting us. Directly at us, <laughs> and it seemed like you were having a religious experience. <laughs> like a lot of like a lot of the things that um, happen seemingly were tailor made for you to like it. Yes. <laughs> um, That's your I review. Was, yes. See, okay, I put off watching this movie for a long time because mm-hmm. I was not. It was kind of like the euphoria thing where it's. Just, is too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of thought that this is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe I put it in my head too much, but it, it wasn't as depressing as I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, Which is good, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, But I also feel like I didn't love it or like mm-hmm. it as much as I thought I would. But that's not to say that it wasn't a good movie or yeah. that the music isn't good because I thought the music was so good. Um, the yeah. Everybody who was in the movie was really good. But I don't know. That's the thing, too. It's like, um, I really like the movie, mm-hmm. but the things that I like about it are not necessarily um, the parts are not like... Um, like, it's not a great film. Yeah. It's a really good movie, and it has a wonderful, um, like, message, and it's got a lot of good stuff in it, but, like... And the direction's great, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel's directorial debut is good, so the editing is great as well. So there's just something about the film that I can't quite put my finger on that kept it from being great. Yeah. But without that said... Without, with all that being said, it was still very good. Yeah. And it's a lot of greatness in it, not the least of which has to do with wonderful performances that start off with Andrew Garfield, who is one of the best working actors today and honestly should have won an Oscar a long time ago. I thought he won one for Hacksaw Ridge. He was nominated. Okay. Because he was so good in that movie. He was. It was and so he probably good. should have won. Yeah. Who won that year? Beats the hell out of me. Okay, it wasn't I Ryan Gosling, that's for sure. Because that was the year La La Land. So I'm trying to think back. So Was it the year La La Land came out? Yeah, because it was 2016. They were both nominated in the same year? Yes. It was Ryan Gosling. It was... Um, Ryan Gosling, it was um, Andrew Garfield, and some other movie. I don't remember. Somebody else won. I don't recall. Um, it was 2016. Oh, no, that was that was 17. It was... No, David yeah. will look it up right now. <laughs> won the Oscar for... <laughs> I'm just like, we can't... Yes, we, we have Google. We can look it up. But um, he was... No, he was outstanding. Like, made you want to cry in Hacksaw Ridge. And if, did you ever see him in Silence? Um, I, hmm, so I did start that movie. I didn't finish it because I was with roommates and it was no. hard to watch yeah. movies with them. Um, it, yeah, but it was, I'm sure. Yeah, I saw, like, I saw a good portion of it and he did really good. But that film in and of itself <clears throat> is a hard to watch film. Yeah. And it yeah. does not get any easier as it gets, you know, yeah. to the end. Yeah. <laughs> he also probably should have went for the social network. <gasps> A long I ass time ago. I saw that movie too. Oh, amazing. Uh, okay, I get it. So the nominees were Casey Affleck, Andrew Garfield, Ryan Gosling. Oh my god. Denzel Washington <laughs> and Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen. Mortensen. Yeah. And Casey Affleck won. <laughs> For Manchester by the when sea. you said it, yeah, when you it said back, Casey Affleck, <laughs> it came back, and so did the outrage, <laughs> and so did the rage come back immediately. How, how does that win over every, literally everybody else in that category? Yeah, and then wasn't that the same year that he like got accused of? 
shit or whatever. Yeah. Because remember, uh, Brie Larson had a big stink face when she like gave him the award because she had to like present the award to him. No way. I don't yeah. Oh my Literally, God. look up the clips. What a look mess up the- <laughs> was that year. Oh my God. Remember, so many things went down in flames. Yeah, that was a crazy time. And the thing is, we documented that in real time on our show. So, like, if you want to remember, like, what it felt like to be in the moment, you can just go back and listen to the podcasts that we did. They get all of our feelings on it. I remember. Yeah. Oh, my God. But anyways, back to the movie. Maybe we um, forgot the whole Casey Affleck. Yeah. Well, it was a bigger snafu yeah. that night. Let's be real. Which, which was I love the how, whole... like, as soon as you said Casey Affleck, what the was like... <laughs> We suppressed it, damn it. Yeah. We successfully suppressed it. <laughs> and the thing is, because like, there's like a whole folder in my mind of like award wins that have pissed me off for both good and for bad, but mainly for bad. Like, because there was a good stretch where like a lot of guys won Best Actor that were like really not deserving of it. Like, Rami Malik won Best Actor for Bohemian Rhapsody. He couldn't even fucking sing and he won an. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix one for the Joker and I know some people like the film I, I, I know I'm not in, in the majority of it but I I, yeah, I thought no. he was great but yeah. he's given better performances Yeah, he's given much better performances and also that was the same year that Adam Driver was nominated for Marriage Story Jonathan Price from The Two Popes oh man you could have gone so many different directions and you went with Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> The only times I think I've been happy with Best Actor the last, the last 10 years have been Daniel Day-Lewis for, uh, for Lincoln and Anthony Hopkins for The Father. That one <laughs> was a surprise for everybody. And we saw it in real time and it was amazing. It was the best thing ever. They they literally were like, they were so embarrassed. They're just like, okay, guys, bye. The show's oh. over. <laughs> The show is fucking over. No, but you're right about Tick, Tick, Boom. It's like, I love Andrew Garfield, uh, Alexander Shipp, Robin DeJesus, Vanessa Hudgens. I forgot what a powerful vocalist she could be. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Um, the direction's great. But something's missing about it to make, it, to make the whole thing overall great. But what I will say is... What I do love the most is Jonathan uh, Larson's music yeah. in Tick, Tick, Boom. I don't know really anything about Rent. I know people don't like it now or the music. I never heard the music in Rent. But I do know the music here in Tick, Tick, Boom. And I don't, the pop rock elements that he has in his music make me personally very nostalgic toward that sound that was very much like the late 90s, early 2000s. But with, with all that certainly being there... The songs, some of the songs were just fucking phenomenal. Like one of the songs, Louder Than Words, which plays at the end of the film, just so emotional. And it, when you when you listen to those whole lyrics, scene. yeah, the whole scene, everybody like, but the lyrics, especially of that song, it's like, remove the film from it. It very much feels like a song for our generation too, because I think we feel the same way about like where we are as a generation and seeing where the world is and where it's going and how like disassociated and just removed from it all that we feel. 
and how like belittled and isolated and like put down upon by everybody else like it captures so much feeling that song especially mm-hmm. that um it's such it's just a really really beautiful song that is performed and as if we didn't think Andrew Garfield could be any more talented he also sings really great too <laughs> no i think the scene that got to me was um when he's in the park Oh, oh my God! I could not handle that scene. If I had it my way, he would win that Oscar this year. He should win that Oscar this year, not just for this performance, but for his entire body of work. <laughs> he is the definition of overdue. And the thing is, and he's coming out with a new, a new show. I can't wait! Oh my God! Can we talk about the fact that he's almost forty and he? Kind of looks. <laughs> That's so sad. Best news to me. What the fuck? <laughs> He's yeah. almost forty. He's like thirty-eight. Oh <laughs> yeah, he does not look anywhere near that age. At all. Also, can we talk about the fact that him, Robert Pattinson, um, Charlie Cox. And I think there was somebody else. I can't remember who it was. They were all roommates. And they were roommates. That's right. They were all roommates. They ain't no more. That's for sure. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? Shit. This year, he's not nominated, but it would be a, a, a contest between Andrew Garfield and Nicolas Cage for best actor. Uh, for Pig. You do know he's in that movie, right? Yes, I know. I've been wanting to watch that one. You need to get Hulu to work. I know, I never want to work with me. That's another thing. See, when I watch it by myself, it doesn't work. But then me and David started watching How I Met Your Father, and it worked perfectly fine. I don't know. Also, watch that show, because it's pretty good. Okay. Um, uh... Because, you know, we didn't get the Lizzie McGuire show. No. So we got this. And we won't. And then as far as stuff coming out this year, uh, just that I know of, Turning Red. I'm excited for Turning Red. I'm so excited. I can't believe I've seen people on film Twitter like say, wow, that movie looks bad. What the fuck are you talking about? Pixar has been on a everything fucking Everything about this movie, like I haven't even seen it, but just yeah. everything that they've shown us. Everything that they've given us, I, I'm with I'm it. Eating it all up. I yes. love it. Whenever yes. that trailer comes on, oof. Yes, I love that trailer so much. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And it's like, can we talk about the fact that Pixar has really redeemed themselves? Like, not that they ever lost it, really. I mean, I mean, like, they got into a funk with like a lot of sequels in a row. And while none of those movies were like downright terrible, and some of them were actually pretty good. It definitely lacked a little bit of originality. But now that we've had this many originals in a row, it's like, Pixar, man, how many years have you gone and you've still maintained a certain level of quality with all of these movies? It's outstanding. Um, And it makes me feel sad that they're kind of getting shafted with them being like streaming only. But because of the success that both Luca and Encanto have had on Disney+, Plus. I guess this is the way that it'll be. It, this is the 
the best way for it, get, for it to get the most audience now. And I'm hoping that it does get that audience. So, look, between all the stuff, like it should be a pretty big month for Disney Plus with West Side Story dropping on there. Hopefully, that hits it big. You've got Turning Red, you've got Moonlight, and then all those Marvel shows are going to have just dumped all at one time. So it's exciting to see all the stuff that could be for Disney Plus um, and other projects that we will see this month. So. I think I've talked long enough. You guys have anything else to say? Like what else you've seen or what you're looking forward to? Any movies that you're looking for? Oh, oh, one thing I, I, David, are we getting a new Dragon Ball movie this year? Dragon Ball Superhero? I just heard about it the yeah. other day. I still haven't even seen the Broly movie yet. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I still haven't seen that thing yet. But yeah, like, I, I don't know. Have you heard anything about it? Um, not much. I just know there's like an image that came out. It was one with Gohan and Piccolo. Piccolo looks gold, though, mm-hmm. for some reason. I don't know what the fuck was up with that. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know when it's going to come out, though. But I don't know there's a new one coming. Mm. Interesting. Uh, nothing. There, there are two films in particular that I'm, like, like drop-dead excited for, and that is Knives Out 2 and it Spider-Verse 2. soon, right? I, I think Knives Out would be closer to the end of the year. I don't think it's anytime okay. soon. But, but I, I, yeah, so Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and Knives Out 2. When does Spider-Verse yeah. come out? October. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love um. Alexis's face right there. The look of disgust when it was like October. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess like two things that I've seen when I finished, when I'm still watching. Uh, I David made me watch Arcane. Yeah, Arcane. Uh, Yeah. Oh, okay. The Legend of Arcane. All right. What do you think? Um, I loved it. Oh my god, it was so good. The single best video game adaptation of oh. all time. Maybe ever will be. That show, look, listen, that show is just downright perfect. It's perfect so storytelling. Good. Yes. It's great. It's. I think it's an instant classic. Oh, for sure. Really. Oh, yeah. And there's so much ahead of it. I am so with its scared that they're going to cancel it. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh. I just have this feeling that they're gonna. Did you like, not see the numbers? I don't. Did you I not see? Th- they get numbers for everything. There's <laughs> numbers for everything, but like, no. When 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 this was like dropping week to week, it did three episodes a week. It was an international mm-hmm. hit. It was one of the biggest hits Netflix has ever yeah. had. This is not going anywhere anytime. And as soon as the last episode I... drops, rest uh, assured, they announced the second season already. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know that they announced the second season. I, it was so mm-hmm. good. I oh, can't wait. So yeah, Arcane. Go watch Arcane. Watch it <laughs> Go again. Watch Arcane. Yes. Um I finished Lucifer. They finished oh, the yeah. show. You also need to watch Lucifer because it's so yes, good. Yes, on the list. Um and then I started watching and I just finished the first season, so I'm on to the second season. Um, the West Wing. <laughs> I was listening to that yeah. before we recorded. We started the recording, and I'm like, 
why do I hear Martin Sheen's voice? <laughs> and you're watching The West Wing, which is one of the more well-known TV shows of, of all time. Yeah. I don't know why. But That's a weird choice for you. That's not is, really one you'd think you'd it see. Is, um, but I really like it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm watching that. But okay, Did you ever get into House of Cards? No. So David did tell me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so eventually I'll get there. Because I watched um, Designated Survivor. Mm. I finished that in like a week. <laughs> I was I got like super into that one. Yeah, a lot of people um, like that show. And it's, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Right. It's, it's, it's kind um, of the same flavor, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, uh, what's his name? Martin Sheen? Mm-hmm. He's so fucking good. Oh my yeah. god. He's a great actor. He's so good. Yeah. Um and then there was something else that I forgot to mention. Oh, and then I'm excited because Bridgerton comes out oh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of this month. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People um, love that show. I love that it was show. Entertaining. <laughs> I just bought the second book. <laughs> Did you guys ever try Ted Lasso? No. no. We don't have Apple TV. <laughs> I have Apple TV. You can just ask for the login and you can see it all of the two seasons. It's a very feel-good show. I love yes. Ted Lasso. There's a lot of shows that I want to watch on Apple TV. Um, which don't have. Um, interesting. I I want. Did you two ever see? Um, because I I guess you could put them in the same flavor, although not necessarily the same, with like West Wing or House of Cards or or the, or Designated Survivor. But did you guys ever? I know Alexis, you saw Lincoln and you really liked Lincoln from Steven Spielberg. Did you ever see the other two films that were kind of similar? It, it was in the same decade. It was um, Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks and Mark Rylance. And then there was also The Post with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Did you guys yeah. ever see those movies? I saw The Post. Uh, I saw both. Okay. Did you see Bridge of Spies? Oh, okay. You saw both? Yeah. What the heck? You watch yeah, this the- shit without me all the time. Bridge of Spies, actually, now that I remember, was one of those films. One of the rare times where I would I saw it the first time in a theater. It was late at night. And I thought I was going to get... The trailer led me to believe it was going to be like an action spy thriller. <laughs> yeah. Not what that movie yeah. was. That is not what that movie was at all. And so when I saw it, I'm like, what is this? I was I was perplexed, honestly. I, did, I was like, oh, I okay. That's I, what I thought with, um, I mean, I don't know if it's the same thing, but what is the one with Rachel McAdams? And about like the Chicago trial, the, the Chicago City. Oh, the spotlight. The spotlight. That's what I mean. That's how I felt with that movie because it was completely not what I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> like how it ended. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that that that's that's an ending. That's for sure. That's <laughs> an ending that stays with you for yeah. Spotlight, the best picture winning Spotlight. Um, yeah, no, I I I love Spielberg's uh, later movies. I really do more than most people, it seems. 
But especially with Bridge of Spies, like that's a movie I was like, kind of like Eternals. I was like, okay, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I kind of don't know why we're here, why we're doing this. But again, like rewatching it several times, like it's really like intricate, all the little details that's in there. And it's really a movie about a guy um, just like trying to navigate this world of bullshit and like save people's lives. And he's just a good person. And you legitimately enjoy it. I think it's one of my favorite Tom Hanks performances. It really is. It's just really understated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Me personally, I've always felt like with Lincoln or Bridge of Spies and The Post, people just didn't really want to engage with the films because of the subject matter. It's just not like, it's not as quote unquote cool as a lot of the other Spielberg stuff. You know, like... AI or War of the Worlds or um, I guess they got what they wanted in Ready Player One, but I didn't care for Ready Player <laughs> One <laughs> in the least. The movie, I mean, the Spielberg movie. Um, but then comes West Side Story and then everybody was like, wow, I didn't know Spielberg could still make great movies. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. What do you mean you can still make great movies? He still made great movies. He just didn't care to see them because they were like, they weren't cool to talk about. And I'm not saying they were the best movies ever made, but like, come on. Spielberg has maintained a level of quality. And I feel like with the West Side Story situation, it, well, because it's a musical and you want to like a musical and it's cooler, I guess, to an extent and to like West a musical. <laughs> and it's West Side Story. So it's like, of course, but it is amazing because everybody doubted that, myself included. No one yeah. was looking forward to a remake of West Side Story because why would you do that? You have to be insane to even attempt to do a redo at a film that won t- 10 Academy Awards, including Best Picture. One of the most, no, it is the most decorated musical in Academy history. And to do it over again. And yet, well, you've seen uh, how it's, you know, been received and it's kind of incredible. To me, with West Side Story, it's the single best, I guess if you want to call it a remake, I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Single best remake. Um, you haven't seen it yet, have you, Alexis? No. Okay. Are you waiting for Disney Plus, or are you still waiting for the film? Are you, are you no, still I'm a little? Sure it's on Disney Plus. Okay. Um, I will say though, it's very unfair that in the Heights is getting like completely like it, it was thrown under the bus and forgotten about it. But to be fair, and let's be real here. Everybody at the beginning of 2021 was looking forward to and expecting In the Heights to TKO West Side Story. Everybody was expecting and wanting that narrative. And the opposite, miraculously enough, ended up being the case. Um, And I still think, by the way, In the Heights is a very good movie with amazing performances and beautiful music. The one thing that suffered for me, and it's really unfair, I admit it. But the choreography, when you watch In the Heights, after having seen West Side Story, you just can't compare mm-hmm. the two. You just can't. And it kind of suffers a little bit as a result. But it's still really good. And it does not deserve to have been the ignored hate. the way that it has. Yeah. Or the hate for what happened. It I, really does I like the music better um, in In the Heights than West Side Story. There's only one song that I listen to on repeat on West Side Story. So, <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> That you know the weird thing is with West Side Story, I <laughs> so I did see the original movie before having seen 
I, I do this now where like I'm just not going to see old stuff unless there's a new release. Like, for example, The Matrix. <laughs> I didn't see any of The Matrix films until like the week before <laughs> the new one came out. So that's just the way I operate now. But I make the effort to, to catch up at the very end. So I did see West Side Story, the original film from 1961, I believe. Um, And uh, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't care too much about it and i didn't care too much about the music but that changed with the new one and i just think the performances and are just better overall with the new one i I just think this version is just better as a movie maybe and i say that from the perspective of somebody who's alive in 2021 maybe not like obviously not from somebody who would have seen it originally in 1961 and all the different um Things that filmmakers have come to expect from that time and this time, but I don't know. I, I have listened to the soundtrack um, many different times, but not just with West Side Story, with like a lot of the movies. Encanto, the score with Eternals, by the way, is very mm. underrated. Very, very underrated. I love that score. So is, of course, with Dune, the Spencer score. You need to see that movie, Alex, but when you hear the score for Spencer, it is beautiful, beautiful music. Um, I can't so, yeah. wait. You should, I should yeah. watch it uh, this weekend and make it a Twilight week. You should. <laughs> and also, it's just like an ultimate year for redemptions all around with Kristen Stewart. She just won yesterday the Hollywood Critics Association for Best Actress. She got an Oscar nomination, her first Oscar nomination for Best Actress for this movie for Spencer. Robert Pattinson's The Batman. Like, holy fuck. And you want even more redemption on top of that. Jamie Dornan, moving past the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, has now come into his own. Uh, you know, getting a lot of recognition for his work in the in the drama film Belfast, as well as his his comedic chops in Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> I saw the Hollywood Critics Association Awards last night, and he was up accepting an award for Belfast. Uh, and this is a room full of critics. And he like he was laughing because um, the first thing he said was like some of the worst things that have been said about me uh, were written by some of the people in this in this room, and now here I am, you know, laughing in a good way about it, accepting this award from you, you know, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Can Chris and Stuart do that oh. too? <laughs> oh my god! Amazing! Yeah. Amazing! Yeah, so and I'm happy for Jamie Dornan too because uh, he I think he's he's always been a great actor. Yeah, I think he always he got a bad a bad rap for a whole bunch of other things that weren't his fault, really. Um he's had a tremendous year. He really has. And if he wasn't talented enough, he can sing too. He sings in um in the Belfast movie, a song <laughs> called Everlasting Love. Um and he's great. Um Yeah. So Thanks. a lot of redemption going around. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, yeah. All of that. All of that great stuff. Well, we're going to go ahead and close it off. Unless anybody else has anything else to say. Alexis, can you actually like uh, talk about how things are going with Turn to Page? Turn the page? Turn to oh, Page. Turn to Page. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't get with it with that title. Uh... Where are you on right now? Good. Um, we are. We're releasing the third up, third episode. Yeah, on Friday. Um, and then at the end of the month, we're doing another one. So we're basically doing one 
two episodes a month. So one the first Friday and then the second one the last Friday. And we're just going over the Harry Potter books. So right now we're still in the first one because it's only the third episode. Um, but yeah, we just kind of read and then give our thoughts. And it's, it's kind of fun because we get to kind of see it in like a new perspective in a way. Because a lot of, like, Kyle and Peter read it when they were, like, little. I read it, like, right after high school. They would just finish reading them. So it's all, like, different perspectives. And then now where we are in our lives, it's interesting. No, it's really great to hear you guys um, rekindle the fires of that passion with, like, Harry Potter. Especially after years of um, kind of bad crap <laughs> with that fandom. You know, with everything between J.K. Rowling imploding, self-imploding, um, and then also the franchise, the film franchise, self-imploding as well for different reasons. Yeah, it's um, still happening. I think yesterday or today, they released like a, I don't know if it was a trailer. I don't know what the They heck. were supposed to release a trailer, and then they didn't. Well, I, and then they did. I think, I, don't, I honestly don't know. Uh, but they took a, like a like a screen image or whatever of what's supposed to be the fight between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Grindelwald, which is like basically Harry and Voldemort. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah, it's not good <laughs> at all. But wow. Yeah, it's because in the in the books and in the movies they put that that specific fight like like this huge thing this huge like revolutionary thing in a way like bigger than harry and bigger than voldemort and it just doesn't look that way <laughs> and like a lot of people are which you know we're also like going back to the movies in the show and stuff and especially that first movie, you know, a lot of... There was no green screen. It, the green screen came, I think, at the in the fourth book. At um, okay. And, or in the fourth movie. And so... A lot of, like, the stuff in the first one is all practical effects, and it's, yeah. you know... Mm -hmm. um, and even even all the way to the last movie, a lot of the effects were practical effects. Um, mm -hmm. The background maybe were green screen and stuff, but they they really tried to like limit the amount of green screen that they used throughout the whole series. And then kind of seeing that and the artistry that it's like literally there's this. In, I don't know if you've seen the, all the movies, but in the fourth movie, they go mm -hmm. in have. in a lake. That lake was like man made. <laughs> really yeah. yeah um no so, they looked good yeah they definitely did a lot of the movies definitely did. and so they they at least right now like people are just kind of like where is that like what's happening yeah and again it, it we've been, peter and i have actually <laughs> been talking about that for weeks now on the show and it isn't exclusive to the harry potter franchise um a lot of it it's kind of like infiltrated itself in every franchise i think the one you see it the most is with the marvel movies and again, like how I spoke of earlier with the two different documentaries of Shang-Chi and Eternals, 
you see the Eternals one, what makes it stand apart is how visually beautiful it is. And it is visually beautiful because all of the movie Real is places. shot outside. Mm-hmm. They go on location. Whereas, and Peter pointed this out, at least to me, I'm not sure if made it aware to all of you, but like every single action sequence and just about in, in Spider-Man and in Shang-Chi and in Black Widow is indoors. It's filmed indoors. Mm-hmm. And that in, and they have artificial lighting, which makes it look artificial. And those won't age well as Eternals. Yeah. Because that film was actually shot in the real world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and, and with the other films that you just mentioned, Alexis, that's just the case. When you go on practical locations, you have practical sets with a combination of VFX, that's the best results. Like I think one of the best looking movies of the last 10 years has been Star Wars The Last Jedi. I was literally just about to say that too. Compare because of that course. to Rise of Skywalker. Even now, it's only been a few yeah. years and which one stands out the most? Which one looks prettier? Even just, you know, as simple as that, which one looks prettier? It's yeah. The Last Jedi. Yeah. Because they went to real places, people. <laughs> this goes to show you it helps when you get an actual director that wants to tell a story of substance and meaning and not just do the things that the fans want them to do. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a good place to end it off. Uh, thank you, Alexis, uh, for being here. Thank you, David, also for being here. And all of you, go and listen to the podcast. Oh, One quick question. Uh, are you guys going to review the new Harry Potter movie? Maybe. On the show, oh, you don't, or you want to? Is that a red spotlight thing? Because I, I, I didn't I see don't Crimes of. Done any of the other ones? I honestly don't remember I, the other movies. We did a review for the Fantastic Beast film, I think, years ago, but I never. And we did a review for Crimes of Grindelwald when David, 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 David mm-hmm. did. He, he. Oh. Yeah, not not everybody else. So, but I never saw the Crimes of Grindelwald. I seen the first Fantastic Beasts, but I heard it like two was so bad, it just didn't bother go seeing Crimes of Grindelwald. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, and then also, Alexis, uh, I know the audience really wants to know where is the long awaited Encanto review on <laughs> Fantasy Fair? Ask Kyle. <laughs> okay. I think everybody at this point just knows that Kyle's just like prolonging it. Did you, did you hear what he said to us the other day? No. Remember about. Um, his uh, evolving feelings on the nature of the music. Oh, yeah. I mean, my favorite is when Peter calls him out and is like, you've never been so wrong about a movie before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. Can't wait. And I have to imagine that needs to happen before we do an audio commentary on Encanto. Tick, tick, tick. I keep trying to set up dates. And he just does not engage. (laughs) Peter said one time, uh, you, you could, you know, trap him under false pretenses. Say you're doing an episode of Turn to Page, and then re- really everybody's there for the review of Encanto. <laughs> you just leave. I think it's better if you put him in a room. Oh, me? Yes, 
because you live close. <laughs> so I have to do everything. Like I mean, I, I already was the one that like took him prisoner to go see Eternals <laughs> against his will. Oh, that, that was funny. funny. <laughs> that was really funny. All right, guys. Well, thank you both for being on here. It was so good to see you again and to talk to you. It's felt like it's been such a long time, and I'm hope I'm hoping that's not going to be the case as we go on to these next few weeks. We got a lot of content: Batman, Turning Red, Moon Knight. By the way, also the Academy Awards happen this year, so that's going to be a big thing. Um, and hopefully, by the time we get, when we get to April, we're shooting. Well, I mean, we're hoping to shoot uh, our um, favorite movies of 2021. Um, and so I keep reminding everybody on the week to watch as much as you can, because we're trying to get this thing closed by the end of at least Oscar season, which is already end of this month. So we've got so much ahead of us for an exciting 2022. Um, we'll be back next week with Batman and more content. Stay here under our spotlight and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye.